Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 265, and Matt, the last episode that we're having here in our studio, mm, yes. uh, before we move into a new one. Um, I can't say I'm going to miss this place too much. Yeah, I was going to say, very sad. Anyway. <laughs> um, it, it, this this studio has been a roller coaster, um, because when we first got it, Mitch started working with us, and we had like Sifted HQ and these new shows that we were working on. We had mm-hmm. changed how we were going to do Game Face, and Game Face was going to be shorter, and then we were going to do deep dives to go deeper into the game. We had this whole plan set up. The website was supposed to launch, Sifted 2.0. And then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And then I got caught in this weird position where COVID had kind of just started. And we were like three months into COVID. And the messaging was, oh, it's going to be over in two weeks. It's going to be over in a month. It's going to be over in two months. And so it came to like July 1st. And I was like, okay, well, it should be over in a couple months. And I should sign this lease. And then mm-hmm. it was just a huge waste of money. I just flushed money down the toilet for an entire year. We couldn't even come in here and do the show. We were doing the show via Zoom, and it's just been crazy looking back. And it's hard to believe it's only been two years because so much has happened in those two years. It's really – when stuff like this happens, it's always like an inflection or a reflection point where Mm -hmm. you kind of look back at what happened. And, like, my mind is boggled (laughs) looking back at everything that's happened since we had this studio. Uh, So, anyway, next Tuesday we will be at our new studio for the first episode Uh, We're going to be moving in over the weekend. It's going to be a mad rush. It's going to suck. After the show is over today, I'm going to start tearing all this stuff down, uh, getting ready to pack it up to move over to the new spot. Um, And then internet should be hooked up. I'm actually relying on the people in the building to make sure the internet is hooked up for next Tuesday. Uh, I go in on Friday to get the keys and everything, and obviously I'll quadruple check that the internet's going to be good. Uh, But next Tuesday we should be in our new studio, and it should be live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash siftedgames at hopefully 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern as usual. Matt, how has your week been? All right. Not, Not a lot to report, really. No. Nah. <laughs> you always have something. Um, anything? No. This is this has been a pretty quiet week, honestly. Yeah. I, got, I got a new office chair. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I need one of those. Uh, you guys probably are familiar with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins office chair that I use mm-hmm. all the time. Um, through COVID, having to sit there so much for everything, the armrests on it have completely worn through. Hmm. Also, I have three hooded sweatshirts where. The elbows have completely worn through, and I have holes in the mm. elbows of my from sitting at a computer and moving my arms. Mm. There are holes in three of my hoodies. I have um, so I've I've worn out so many socks this past year. Oh, I really? Because I wear socks in in the house. Oh, I don't. Because like the bare wood, no matter how much you clean it, it's still got some some dirt on it, and yeah. my feet get like black. Yeah, and yeah. So I just uh, I wear a sock, I but it wears through them because it's hard wood. It's yep. like it's like you know, and some of it's like it's not like. You've been there. It's not like varnish. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like bare wood. Yeah. It's treated, but it's bare wood. So you're literally rubbing fabric on wood, and the fabric fabric loses that war. Um, the other thing that happened, like I, like your elbow thing. So I have been like you know doing stuff on my desk and doing stuff on my table, like gluing stuff together. I've done some some craft nonsense. Um, and I keep <laughs> I keep see Matt Kyle doing craft. It's all, it's like inserts for organizers for board game oh, things, okay. but like. 
I keep like ripping my elbow open, like like an abrasion from mo- like it rubbing. bleeds. Yeah, it bleeds, <laughs> and rubbing it against like the, the and like and like I was eat, I was eating. Some of my friends were over, and I was eating and like kind of leaning like this and at the, on the table. And at one point, I sort of slipped. I was like, like I looked down, and like it's just this pool of blood where my wow. my, my elbow is open. So I yeah. had to cover that up and put some stuff. I was like, okay, maybe I should deal with that. Like. Um, so yeah, I, 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 you don't realize how hard on your elbow you are when you're when you're doing stuff at a desk. I well, guess. well, I call the uh, holes in the Maybe elbows that. of my hoodies like real nerd fashion. Yeah, <laughs> you put some patches over that and be like an English professor. That's true. <laughs> Versus the stuff that people buy at Hot Topic, which is supposed to be right. nerd fashion, like. Holes in the elbows of your hoodies? That's real yeah. nerd fashion. Yeah. Also, yesterday it rained in L.A. Did it? Uh, it didn't yeah. rain over here. It rained. It was raining in the morning when I got up, and it really? rained like around noon. Never uh, rained here. It uh, rained in July in Los Angeles. Very normal. <laughs> what the? Yeah. It didn't rain here at yeah. all. It did, it did over like, further east. That's pretty bizarre. Uh, my wife also mentioned she makes fun of the holes in my elbows because I don't I-D-G-A-F. I mm-hmm. wear those sweatshirts like out to dinner and stuff. Like I, yeah. like I just don't care. When you get to a certain age and you're like married and you're not worried about like picking up girls, like there's just this level of like I don't care anymore and I have attained it. I am there <laughs> I'm now. I'm sure your wife appreciates she that. Does, I'm sure she does. <laughs> but she she actually told me that like ripped stuff is like the hot new trend now mm-hmm. and that she wouldn't be surprised if a couple years from now like the ripped elbows is like a thing that you see on yeah. like runways but i'm sure that like it has to be ripped a certain way oh yeah, it yeah. isn't how it's ripped on <laughs> it yours can't be natural like, yeah. they have to put it on like a grindstone or something right. until it wears through artisan rips right exactly yeah. <laughs> artisanal rips <laughs> Uh, so anyway, welcome to Game Phase 265. This is the last episode here in our studio. We're going to talk about that a little more in depth at the end of the show. I'm also, for the first time, going to show you guys video footage of our studio. So all this time, you've seen what we wanted you to see or allowed you to see of this studio. Um, and so we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit and just show you raw footage of this studio. Uh, you won't want to miss that because I think some of you guys might be surprised. Um, just to see where we've been working out of for the last two years. Uh, pro tip, it is not glamorous, to no. put it lightly. Hollywood never is. It really isn't. It never is as glamorous as people think it is. But that's the magic of television and entertainment is making things look glamorous mm-hmm. when they may not be. Uh, we've been doing our the, share the, of that The here. most glamorous celebrities and fanciest shows you can imagine are all shot in big, ugly gray warehouses. Yeah. Yeah, in, the, in in parts of town where you probably wouldn't want to park your car. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, you would be shocked. But you have to because that's how you're getting paid. <laughs> like, and you don't get a parking space. What are you talking about? Yeah, not you, not the people who do the work. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Go park on the street and have your go get, park on the street and pray for five hours and get a hundred dollar yeah. ticket when right. you come back. It basically wipes out half of the money you made for right. the day. But then you're just like, well, at least they didn't boot it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's still there. I can drive it Car's home. still there. Yeah. Car's still there, and there's no boot on it. It yeah. wasn't stolen or booted. That's your that's your win for the day. It is funny how people's perceptions are. Like, I have a really good friend who is an immigrant from South Korea. And he, when he was young, his parents died when both of them died when before he was six years old. And he was just shoved onto the street. He had mm. nowhere to go. He literally lived on the street for, like, three years as, like, a five- to eight-year-old. And, like, all this crazy stuff happened to him. Like, he, he's told me terrible stories about how people treated him and whatnot. But he, um, he, his impression of what America was was that America literally were streets paved with gold. Yeah. Like, he literally thought that, like, everything here was coated in gold. Because that's the – Right, the in myth. In his village, 
That was the myth that was told right. to everybody. And this was before everyone had Imagine cell thinking and... Americans would just leave gold on the street. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, there wouldn't be people there, like, chipping it yeah. off. And, like, putting Most it valuable it. item in the, in, the, in the country would be chisels. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so the perception isn't always reality in a lot yeah. of cases. Uh, in most cases, honestly, I think that's the way it is. Uh, let's take a look at chat before we get going here. Uh, look for some Twitch Prime. A Park one thank you for Twitch Prime. Texture Glitch, thank you for Twitch Prime. Gerzilla, thank you for Twitch Prime. This is rare because it's the end of the month. Usually we don't have this many Primes mm. at this point. Um, let's see, is that it? Oh, Iviz, thank you for Twitch Prime as well. Um, Andy T. Monahan, those wall graphics weren't even dry yet, if I remember right, in that first episode. They were not. Mm-hmm. So this stuff here is called wheat pasting. It's a graffiti technique that people use. If you ever wonder how, like, these posters just get, like, put up on, like, utility boxes at intersections or you see them on bridges sometimes, that's called wheat pasting. And all you do is you mix some flour with some water and you create this really gross paste. And then you lay the paper down and then you use a brush to go over and create a coat of it. And you have to do, like, another coat or whatever. But if you touch this, this stuff is, like, hard. Um, and it does give it like, um, depending on how much water you use, it'll give it like more or less wrinkles. It's all a stylistic choice depending on how you want to do it. But anyway, I had written graffiti for years when I lived in Philadelphia. I had never wheat pasted. So when I went to build this set, I was like, I'm going to wheat paste for the first time. I went out on runs with people who did wheat pasting, but I had never done it myself. So, um, yeah, that's how we ended up doing the background here. And obviously we have like the noise canceling stuff and uh, I'm still working on the new set. I haven't even got into the new the new studio yet, uh, but I'm still working on the plans for it. Um, I wouldn't mind being able to incorporate some of this stuff in some way, but it's probably not going to be the set for Game Face going forward. It might be like a backdrop for like when we live stream like gameplay or something like that. All that stuff is still in the works. A lot of stuff I still have to figure out, uh, not the least of which is how I'm going to get all this crap out of here um, mm-hmm. and get it over to the new place and set up. But it's exciting. It's also... I'm also dreading it, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. It's that crazy mix of the Moving two. Moving sucks. Yeah, it does suck. Moving does suck. But the good news is our new studio is only four blocks from here. Not exaggerating. On the same street, four blocks away, right across the street from where Matt and I used to work at G4, mm-hmm. which is now owned by Riot Games. We will be right next to Riot Games. Not that that makes any difference whatsoever to anything we're going to do, uh, but we will be right we beside We might get them. more harassed than usual. <laughs> We're going to get to that in today's mm-hmm. show as well. Uh, there's definitely some shady stuff going on in the industry, and we're going to discuss it. Um, it is slow in the games industry, but I feel like we actually have a pretty good show today. I busted ass to play as many games as I could. Matt and also tried to. Um, he tried to play Microsoft Flight Simulator this morning. Yeah, got stopped by a 30-gig patch, which, man, like normally a 30-gig patch would take like maybe 20 minutes to download for me, but it would not crawl past like 3 megabits a second. Me like, either. It, it, it My was download so speed was slow. slow. I assume because everybody was downloading it. But yeah. like that's the slowest I've ever seen the Xbox update queue go. Yep. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. Um, and we are going to talk about Microsoft, Microsoft Flight Simulator. I did get some time to play it. Uh, it was weird that they didn't put it on Game Pass at midnight last night. They waited till this morning. Yeah, it went up that. this morning at like 9 or something. Yeah, it's strange. Because I tried to do that. I, I was like, oh, I'll download this so I can play it tonight. For that. And like, it was like, tomorrow? Yeah. At like 9 a.m.? Like, what? Yeah. All right. People may be wondering why we're going to talk about it in today's show when it's been out since last August, I believe. Uh, that's because neither one of us had PCs that could run it. But yeah. we both have Xbox Series X consoles that can. Yeah. And it's so- interesting to see what it looks like, or would have been interesting to see what it looks like on the Xbox, you know, because... 
Yeah. You're cramming that thing on a on a much weaker piece of hardware. Yeah, because that game on PC brings powerful gaming rigs to it to their yeah. knees. Yeah. So it's not some little slouch like and uh it might be one of the first three or four truly next gen games to appear on consoles, to mm-hmm. be perfectly honest with you. It will not run on an Xbox One. I know that for no. sure. Or if it did, it would if it did it would be an ugly <laughs> It would be like a ninety eight D make or whatever. Yeah. So anyway um, You wouldn't want to. Exactly. So that's our intro for 265. Again, our last episode here at this studio. Uh, Erebus Jones, thank you for Twitch Prime as well. Um, Soul Corpse, first time chat from a viewer. Welcome to Game Face live on Twitch. Hope you come back. We're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Let's get on with it, Matt. Let's get into Game, game Face 265. We're going to kick things off with the biggest and only real event that happened this week. Um, EA Play finally happened this week, finally bringing up the rear of E3 2021, a good month and a half after E3 was over. We finally got EA's press conference, or at least you would assume what EA would have shown if it had done something at E3 this year instead of pushing it to later on. It was a pre-produced Nintendo Direct style thing. It was about 45 minutes long. Um, although the whole broadcast was an hour and 30 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Like, the pre-show was literally like an hour and a half, um, which I can kind of understand because in the proper show, EA didn't really address games like FIFA or Madden, which are their games that are coming out really soon. Like, Madden comes out in like a couple weeks. Yeah. FIFA comes out in like six weeks, and they didn't really talk about those games at all. Instead, we got something that wasn't a surprise at all because it had all leaked beforehand. A new Dead Space game is coming, Matt, but... The caveat is it's actually not a new Dead Space game. It is a complete, from the ground up, remake of the first Dead Space. Matt, how do you feel about that? Better than if they were making a new one. You feel better about a remake than a new game. Absolutely. I don't trust them to make a new one. You don't? Nope. Did you read any of the interviews that they did? Uh, Not really. I really didn't pay a lot of attention to this event. I watched the Dead Space stuff, and that's about it. Okay. Well, it is a ground-up rebuild of the yeah. first game in the Frostbite engine. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. Um, this is a trailer that they released. It's literally 40 seconds long, so be prepared to watch it at least three times here mm. in the next five minutes. Um, it is a ground-up rebuild in the Frostbite engine. Even the audio is being redone, which mm. I was surprised about. That is interesting. Because the audio in that game already is just killer. Yeah. Like, really, really good. I mean, there's definitely a... Uh, I mean, that's it's old. There's definitely a a case to be made that you need to redo it to take advantage of Atmos and... Mod, you know, 3D so, audio. So, sound design has come a long way since this game was made. Um, so that makes sense to me for the most part. It's funny seeing people's names in credits that when a game came out, you didn't know them. Mm-hmm. But now you're like kind of friends with them, like Glenn Schofield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that he had worked on Dead Space, to be honest with you. I just saw his name there, and I was like, wait a minute. Wow. He's been doing good work for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Um, so it is a ground-up remake in the Frostbite engine, which I – when do you think EA is going to abandon Frostbite, if ever? I don't know. You don't think like, – do you think they ever will? Whenever they make their next terrible engine that they name something else. That's all I can think of. I, I, <laughs> Do you think they'll learn some lessons? EA? Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, EA has learned some lessons, though, Matt, because it got all they the learned heat They not for... to show me Madden for 20 minutes, yeah. I guess. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how it, it approaches its games. Because it got beat up really bad over a bunch of stuff and how it was handling microtransactions in Battlefront 2 and... 
it got beat up really bad when it tried to do a game as a service with Anthem, mm-hmm. and it changed. It allowed Respawn to create a single-player-only Star Wars game, even though it had already canceled one beforehand. Mm-hmm. It, it does seem like EA is trying to make up for bad decisions it makes. Yeah, we'll see. And, I mean, they did announce that there's a there's a Dragon Age Netflix series coming mm-hmm. this morning. I actually um, missed that. It was... It was. It went up at like eleven or something. Okay. But like it's, and it seems like it might be a live action. Uh, obviously, very early, but like that would not be a bad thing to synergize with Dragon Age Four when yeah. the time comes. That's true. Because uh, The Witcher, you know, ob- I think obviously there was no tie into the video games on The Witcher, but like if there had been a new game, I think the, at the time of The Witcher coming out, I think that would have been a big windfall for that. Yeah. So it, it makes sense, but like part of the problem is also that EA like. EA, when was the last time EA branched out and like tried a new like high level IP, like a like a brand new AAA level game? Dante's Inferno or whatever yeah. it was, and, and it flops. So and when hard. and when was the last good one? Right. This or Maybe. Mirrors? Because this and Mirrors Edge were about Actually, the same time. Dante may have came before this. Might have been, but there was a there was a period where they tried to put out a bunch of new original stuff like this and Mirrors Edge, and I think Dante was in there. Um, like they're like, we're doing original content now. We're not just going to do licensed stuff. And, 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 you know, I mean, Dead Space was a hit, but like, you know, over the course of Dead Space one through three, they sort of strangled it into being like what they thought everyone else wanted, but didn't want, you know, and they got, I mean, you got like Fallen Order, which is sort of similar to this in the terms of being a big first person adventure that mm-hmm. like doesn't kowtow to the game as a service idea yeah. or, the, or the multiplayer model. They try to change. One thing I've learned in my time on this planet is that if you stick around long enough, things will come back around. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know this or not, and I didn't know it either. My wife brought it up. But now Jenko, like, huge jeans are coming back again. Yes. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> Which, that. And I was watching the Olympics, and I noticed some of the skaters were wearing them. And I was like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. They are, like, coming back. Yeah, fashion is cyclical. It is. I mean, everything is. And now EA. So EA went Cargo shorts, however, are never coming back. <laughs> Just so you know. I still wear cargo shorts. I love I know. them. I wear them. If I have shorts, they're cargo <laughs> shorts. I don't think I have any shorts that aren't cargo shorts. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you know, but EA, it went through that weird cycle where it was crapping all over itself. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, they're like, oh, we're going to work focus on these single player games. They didn't work so well. Then they went through the microtransaction mm-hmm. game as a service thing. Yeah. Now they're Although coming they back did, around. They did work pretty well, just they didn't make the billions of dollars right. EA demand. That's know, true. Like, they're, Their they're, expectations There's are, a lot of unrealistic expectation, yeah. not just at EA, but almost every major publisher doesn't seem to have a, a handle on what you know what reality is. Yeah. It's like you can every 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 game you release is not going to make Avengers Endgame money. You know, right. like you yeah. can't expect that. Matt, looking at this game, does it need to be remade? I mean, it still looks good. It looks damn good. Like you could do some more stuff with it, like bells and whistles wise. I mean, it but, doesn't look like a PS5 game or no. anything, but but I, I, I certainly mean, don't have a problem playing something yeah, that looks like I this. I mean, I'm it sure still that, looks you know, good. I'm sure the you know the new one will look amazing, but uh, I mean it. it I'm not against bringing Dead Space back. I'm not against playing an updated version of Dead Space 1 because it is my favorite of the three. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing that EA has in the in the vaults that they would they, they could exploit for something like this, this is the one that pretty much makes the most sense. Uh, but I do think it it smells a little desperate. <laughs> JM Rain just said, straight people can keep cargo shorts and the color khaki. <laughs> yep. I- uh, you know what's funny? I almost bought a pair of khaki cargo pants two days ago. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's so hilarious. 
Nox, I turn, I turn Ida says, um, non-cargo is a swimsuit. And that is exactly how I look at it. The only mm. shorts I have that aren't cargo shorts are my swim trunks. Hmm. <laughs> it's hmm. funny how this has kicked off a, a uh, discussion. In the other thing you chat. won't like to know is that shorter men's shorts are the thing that's in now. What are, oh, you mean, oh, I know. Like nine and seven inch inseams. Dude, my legs um, are so skinny. I, will, I would look like a fool. Which I will say, yeah. So I did get some new shorts for my Disneyland trips. Uh-huh. Uh, and I tried like both of them. And like... Nine inch tech, like text, like waterproof stuff that was good for Splash Mountain and stuff. I was very happy with those. Uh, maybe it's just I'm too old for it, but I I cannot get away with a seven inch inseam anymore. I cannot I'm do just it. Saying. Dude, my like, legs are way too skinny yeah, and too way skinny, too white. Way too white. And also, I'm just looking at I'm just like, I look like Larry Bird. Like, I look like I'm wearing the shorts that they used to wear playing basketball when I was a kid. Yeah. And like, I do specifically remember when like a lot of the basketball players, um, uh, switch to more like longer, you know, co- you know, looser, longer yeah, sort of hip hop inspired NBA shorts. Players used to have short shorts, right? Yeah. Like way up, like like, yeah. like athletic track shorts. You'd see like people wear at PE in like 1970s movies. Yeah, and you shit. might get a sack peep here and there. Yeah, and like <laughs> and like a lot of the you know around like the late 80s, early 90s, like a lot of them started wearing longer shorts and kind of. That. And I was like, thank God, like <laughs> like because then like that became the thing that was cool to wear, and like I was much more comfortable in those. Yeah. Um, but now it's supposed to be you got to be above the knee, yeah. But or, or you're like, like it's weird. Like those shorts are like dad shorts now. Yeah, I know. I wear cargo shorts because they're functional. Like so, for me in life, and I don't know how we got on this tangent, but it's the last episode in the studio. We got on this tangent because so I, I mentioned cargo shorts, <laughs> and everyone who wears cargo shorts is real fucking sensitive about the fact that they wear cargo shorts. So here we are. I'm not sensitive about it at all. And I, I mean, know, they are functional. And I know just... some people make fun of them. I don't care. Um, and I am always a function before fashion guy. Like, I'll get stuff that works, mm-hmm. and then if it looks cool, that's like a bonus. Except when it comes to protecting your elbows. Right. Well, right. I just don't want to buy another hoodie. Right. But now that might become fashion, so you're going to have to get another hoodie. Because <laughs> otherwise people are going to think you're like, fashionable. I'm trying to be like yeah. a fashionista or whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I always go function before fashion. And, like, if I wear sh- shorts that don't have big pockets, my top pockets are just loaded with crap. Between my cell phone, my wallet, mm-hmm. my keys, my sunglasses, like... I just hate it. So cargo shorts all the way for me. The one thing I hate about cargo shorts is if you run in them, whatever is in the oh, cargo yeah. pocket beats Bounce. the crap out of your knee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. Otherwise, cargo all the way. <laughs> uh, look, we got bits. One bit for each of the nine for the nine inches of inseam for your shorts, Matt. That's how we roll here. <laughs> all right. Let's get back to EA Play. Um, <laughs> I don't know how this happened that we got on this, but we did. Uh, but let's get back to Dead Space and talk a little bit more about what they're doing with this game. Um, so they are using the source code as a guide for this, Matt. Um, they have the whole game, everything. And they also said that as they're pouring through the source code, they're finding stuff that the original developers wanted to put into the game but didn't for time constraints or they couldn't get it to work quite right. So they're examining some of that stuff to see if they can slide it into this remake uh, to hopefully, quote, unquote, stay as true to the original vision as possible for Mm -hmm. the game. They're very, they have a lot of reverence for the original game, and they're trying to stick to it as much as they can. They said immersion is their biggest focus on this game. They said that from the start screen to the end credits, there will be no breaks. There's no loading. There's no pausing. There's no anything. They said that they, and this does concern me a little bit, they said that they want to suck you into the world and keep you there so that you finish the game in one sitting. Hmm. I don't remember how long Dead Space was. Do you? Uh, Dead Space was like seven or eight hours. Yeah, I do remember it not being. It was like Resident long. Evil length. Okay, like old style, old school Resident Evil length. Yeah. So they're they're expecting people to do it in one sitting. I don't recall 
what incentive there would be to play it again. Uh, you could unlock new outfits and new weapons. There was new game plus stuff, um, yeah. that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and maybe they'll add to that to incentivize people playing it again if they're hoping that people just kind of drive yeah, through it in pro- one probably. day. Yep. Um, also, I'm sure it'll be a, a speed run thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's 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 a replayable game. Yeah. I've probably played well, it's just it, a great game. Yeah, I played it three or four times. I yeah. Think. I've played it uh, twice, I believe. The only thing I'm concerned about is, um, you know, one of the things I do like about it is everything feels very weighty. And, you know, I mean, obviously the Necromorphs bounce around a bit when you kill them, but, like, Everything feels very concrete and 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 solid and there, and those are not qualities I associate with the Frostbite engine. Yeah, me either. Uh, I mean, I wish them luck working on the Frostbite yeah, absolutely, engine, yeah. to be honest I mean, with you. I hope that they can do better where others have I mean, failed. I'm sure they're experienced with it, and if they're going to attempt this, they've probably th- I'm sure they've thought of that the yeah. same way that's the first thing I thought of. So I hope they have some good solutions, uh, but we'll see. They did say they're not touching kind of the HUD stuff, where yeah, it's almost like the AR-style things yeah. that pop up in-game. You don't but, need to touch any of that like, yeah. like the game is pretty much perfect the way it is just make it look better yeah and they're not touching like the health meter on his back so mm-hmm. you know how much health he has with that kind of green meter that goes up his back yeah but it'd be fun i mean it would be fun to see them like bring this series back kind of off of you know of this sort of remake reboot thing i do think i don't mind dead space 2 but i do feel like they sort of went off the rails yeah. in the sequels it was so. the beginning of flying off the rails for yeah. sure um, other things that they mention, a lot of this information comes from an interview with IGN, just to give them credit for the information. Um, they will add references in the remake that were established in the last two games. So things that happened in Dead Space 2 and 3, they're going to kind of backload references to that stuff in this mm-hmm. remake to kind of create a seamless transition between the three games. Um, which could be cool. They could find, but I don't remember much about Dead Space Three to be honest with no, you. No, I just remember it had the kind of like forced co-op. In yeah, a weird it would way. probably go right over my head if they even did anything for that game. Yeah, I mean, I assume they're talking about sort of like what what was learned in the subsequent games about like the Necromorphs and sort of what yep. was happening. Like, yeah, because there there was a sense like you know that you know because those se- sequels require you to make up some new stuff to kind of expand the lore. Um, that clearly was not part of the original intention. If you go back and play the game, like clearly, clearly that was not you know some of the stuff was not there. In the heads of the people making it, and if you, and if you, I mean, if you find that to be good, and like you can reincorporate that and kind of go back to the beginning, sort of like how sometimes I, th- I say, like you know, it would be amazing, a thing I would never get to do, or right, no one would ever get to do, it'd be amazing to go back and remake all nine Star Wars movies, knowing where they're all going and right. knowing what they're about, yeah. without having to make it up as you go, yeah, yeah. and you could make like a really, really good nine movie series you out could. of that. Yeah, but no one gets to do that. No, but here they kind of are doing that. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, and then the final notes. I don't have, like you said, I don't remember enough about some of the lore from that was added in two and three to like remember if I liked it or not, or if I thought it contradicted the first one, or if it. I, I don't know. Like I don't really know what they're talking about there, but I'm will, I'm willing to to I'm I'm willing to approach it with an open mind. About yeah, that. I'd agree with that. And then a couple final notes about the remake: there will be no microtransactions, and they are working on evolving the dismemberment. And when they talked about that, they specifically stated that they want to make it more accessible so that new players will understand it. I don't know that it's all that hard to comprehend. Yeah, I don't remember this being a real complicated (laughs) game. I mean, you reorient your gun two different ways. That's pretty much it. Either vertical or horizontal. Vertical slice, horizontal slice. If you can cut bread, you you can probably figure figure this game out. Exactly. Yep, so that's what we know about Dead Space, the remake. Matt, how interested are you in it? Uh, I'm saying very. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Dead Space is great, and uh, I, you know, I like the first one the most. 
So you want to do if it's a good remake, if they managed to find a way to make Frostbite cooperate, uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally in. I honestly I would prefer to play a new game, and I hear you. The third game, I hated it. It didn't seem even seem like Dead Space to me. I don't know where else there is. Where where do you go with a Dead Space? I 4? can't even remember how the third one ended. To be honest with you, neither do I really. So I don't know if there was a cliffhanger there. Which is kind of what I'm saying. Like, who gives a shit about continuing that story? Like, yeah. just start over. Just do do the good one again. Um, you know, it's kind of a t- pretty timeless story. You know, Dead Space isn't really built on, you know, f- story revelations outside of one major ending thing. Yeah. And, like, the, the, the appeal of Dead Space is the gameplay and picking those, ripping those things apart with the various weapons and finding your way through stuff uh, and upgrading Isaac and, like, you know, I can do that in a, you know, it's been so long since I played the first one, it'll feel like a new game to me to some degree anyway. Yeah. Cause what, 2008? Is that that right? sounds right. Yeah, yeah, seven or eight. Roughly, yeah. somewhere around there. So it has been like 13 years. That game still looks damn good yeah. for a 13-year-old game. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, they did a good job. I mean, that was, um, was it, uh, Vish- What's the, what was the name of it? The company that Amy Hennig was with. They, they Motive, dissolved. wasn't it? No, it was uh, not Vicarious Visions. It was the other V. Oh, Visceral. Visceral, Visceral yeah. games. Um, yeah, it was them. That came out, came out of nowhere. Yeah. So there was a there's a good. If you look on on uh, YouTube, there's a there's a pretty long interview with the guy who was like the lead creator of that. Um, I think from I can't remember who did those interviews, but it was like uh, it's like a 20 minute thing, and he talks about making it and his idea and like how like all these like they didn't really know what they were doing at this point, and like, like EA didn't understand what they're trying to make, and mm-hmm. like they, but they were kind of lucky because they were sort of isolated from it, and they'd never made anything like this before, but they figured it out. It's like a really good story. Um, I'll have to figure. I'll have to try and remember where that was. It was in a God. I can't remember who was doing. It was like a publication. It was doing like a series of just sort of like it's called War Stories. Mm-hmm. And like one of them is the guy who when the, who was like the lead developer on Dead Space, and he tells the story of how they got Dead Space made in that in that climate of EA at the time. It is kind of surprising. Yeah, that EA gave the green light to that game. Yeah, I'm I mean, glad so, it did. So same with Dante's Inferno. I remember the 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 shock of like, okay, EA is making original content and it's M rated. Yeah. Like the idea that EA would make like original stuff that was not targeted at a widest audience possible was bizarre at the yeah. time. And that in particular, I yeah. mean, <laughs> it's a not a very. It should be more common. Yeah. And Dante, games, I mean, like Dante's Inferno not. is not a good game, but like. You look at that and you're like, EA published this. Yeah. Like EA published this thing with all this weird body horror and like and all and like this strange self mutilation like and like subcap- t- yeah, tons like yeah, like just like naked women running around doing like weird pseudo Christian <laughs> mythology things. Yeah. It's like bizarre. It I mean, is like, strange. And I, d- I even today I don't like think there's it would a one again. there's a one level where you're just walking around on the on the the souls of dead fetuses yeah. and stuff. It's just like it's like okay, like. Yep. Yeah. Cool. I that mean, was a different EA than yeah. what we're used to today. That's it was true. not the EA that kept showing me Plants vs. Zombies trailers, I'll tell you that much. Nope, that is definitely true. And the studio working on this also worked on Squadrons, right? It's Motive that's working on the remake of yeah, Dead Space. So, yeah. so the squad, they've shown their chops. They can make a good game and make it pretty quick. Yeah, and they um, pulled some impressive stuff out of Frostbite. On for that. squadrons, for sure. Yeah. So I like have you are. They are making squ- Frostbite do some stuff in that game that it was never supposed to be able to do. So. I think every developer has to do that. Yeah. It seems it's, from what Amy Hennig <laughs> said, it sounds like that's basically your first job. That's your job. Yeah. yeah. Making it do making, stuff. Making Frostbite functional for everybody yeah. else. Yep. Uh, so anyway, Dead Space was the biggest game at EA Play. It was the thing that they showed last, and they didn't provide any context for it really during mm. the event. But then other publications like IGM followed up and did interviews, and that's where we got all that information from. The second biggest game that was shown is a game called Grid Legends. 
Matt, what's your recollect recollection of the Grid franchise? Minimal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do remember when the first one came out, and like Adam and everyone was sort of like, "This is really good." Like, like it was sort of like a surprise that something you know, because it was it's sort of like a. I mean, I don't know what it's become because I haven't played a Grid in a long time, but I remember the original was sort of like. Oh, if you if you wanted something sort of between a sim and an arc and a, like the sim of GT Forza and like the straight up arcade of Need for Speed or whatever, Grid was kind of a nice midpoint. Um, sort of like how Metropolis Street Racer felt, I yeah. guess. Um, Dreamcast Classic, yeah, and uh, or Project Gotham Racing later, which it became, um, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, with a little more you know pro, pro racing in it, but like that is growing, you know, because Grid is a reference to the you know the actual starting lineup is not just mm -hmm. like you know enthusiasts driving around a city. But um, I, the reputation was always good. I just you know I only have so much room in my life for racing games, you know, yeah. and uh, usually that ended up being Forza Horizon and yeah. maybe the Need for Speed that year. Yeah. And uh, and now Need for Speed's a piece of junk. Yeah, it like, really hurt that franchise. Like I don't think. Uh, I don't think I've I've been in day one on a Need for Speed in a long, long time. I've well, I've had to, right, because like, of what I do for my vocation, but not by choice. I'll put it to you that yeah. way. Um, so there are big changes for Grid. It's called Grid Legends. It's coming out in 2022. There's a story mode with what they say is paddock politics. What is that, Matt? What paddock politics? P a d d o c k. Politics. Paddock politics. That's how code. And also, by the way, this is the first new game since EA purchased Codemasters. Um, my only guess on that would be that that's like a term in racing or something. Yeah, I'm not me. familiar like, with it. I think like paddock probably might be a term for like like, like stable or like like uh, like like team or something. Mm. Like I feel like maybe that's maybe it's talking about like maybe someone in chat knows the politics that between uh, the politics between like the various racing teams or whatever. That's the only, that's my only guess on that. That sounds like a that sounds like an in term. Yeah, that I don't I'm not familiar with it. But I that, mean, paddock means you know I could see that as being like a, a European term for like stable, like a stable of wrestlers or a stable. That could of, be that kind of thing. Yeah, um, and then there's lots of car variety. If you haven't noticed in this trailer, there's everything. There's even like big rigs in this game. There's off road trucks that you can race. Um, that was not the case with the original Grid games. Mm -hmm. And to your point about the first Grid, it was surprisingly good but then lost some steam over time, and I'm kind of surprised that they're bringing it back, to be honest with you, but I'm not surprised that yeah, they're the, changing it drastically. The chat's saying the paddock is like the garage. Oh, okay. I don't, I'm surprised I've never heard that phrase before for some reason. Mm. And I'm not like hardcore motorsports guy, but I care about them, kind of. Like, I watch them sometimes, and I've never heard it. Um, and then the big thing about this game is that they're using – the same tech that they use in the Mandalorian for the cutscenes mm. and for the story mode. The volume. It's cut. Well, they they called it, and here's another phrase that I hadn't heard before: extended reality. Yeah, they they've used that a bit. Is that like Viagra for video games? No, it's like uh, <laughs> have you seen the behind the scenes stuff in the Mandalorian? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like they shoot it in that circular dome screen. Yeah, yeah. I'm and just so, joking, but. It, it seems but they like call the they call the the stage for that the volume. That's generally what the Mandalorian people call that. Gotcha. Um, and then upgrades and customization are going to be a big part of the game, um, like every racing game. But that was like one of their top bullet points, which really struck me as like these developers are really just struggling to come up with new ideas for racing games at this point. When one of your big bullet points is intense upgrades and customization, it's like yeah, no crap. Like every well, racing yeah, one would hope. At this point. <laughs> like that's that's not a feature. That's just something that should be there. 
Uh, the game will include 130 different quote-unquote routes. So not 130 tracks, mm -hmm. but 130 routes across. And they didn't say how many tracks there were exactly. Mm -hmm. um, but you can also create your own events in this game. So you can, I don't think you can like design your own tracks, but you can choose which cars there are, how many laps there are. And then you can send your match type out onto the internet for other people to play. And um, we're going to talk about a game in a second that does the same thing. And I'm really starting to wonder if that's kind of a big paradigm for EA going forward is putting players in charge and giving them the agency to build their own stuff instead of relying on whatever EA builds for them. Yeah, I think we're seeing some paddock politics. Right All right. There, <laughs> there it was. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's coming out in 2022. Going, going back to the live actors in the cutscenes of a racing game, that's bold after how uh, Need for Speed turned out. Yeah, it is because it's always been a disaster. Yeah, it really has been. But I think they want to get like the drivers, the real drivers, into the game. Are those real drivers they're using? I those believe actors? so. All those interviews, yeah. I think they're real drivers. Is it? I don't know. That for seems sure. like a mistake. They're not actors. That's not going to work out too that well. That would be a mistake. Trying to get real drivers. I thought those were act. actors. I didn't think they were. Don't you think it's weird to do like a developer doc with the actors who are playing race drivers? Well, well no, I don't know. I mean, I didn't see that doc with, uh, except here, but I felt like I felt like it was a in-universe documentary. Could it could be. Um, but anyway, that's Grid Legends again, 2022. Yeah, Vincent says they're actors. Okay, like, like that was that's an in-universe trailer, I think. Okay. Um. Anyway, that's coming in 2022. It does look like it might skip like last gen meaning ps4 and xbox one they haven't definitively said that yet um but i'm hoping and i think everyone's hoping at this point that we can all kind of shift gears and head forward into ps5 and xbox series stuff but who knows they may get cold feet at the end and be like no we can't close off that market mm. blah 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 uh the third big game just that was like shown, godfall did what'd you say just like godfall did yeah Pretty much, yeah. Can't can't possibly run on PS4. Here's a PS4 version. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the third big game that they showed at EA Play was Battlefield 2042. They focused on a brand new mode called the Portal Mode. Um, it is, just like Grid, a tool that lets you build your own maps and skirmishes using... Mm assets from four different battlefield games so you get assets from battlefield 1942 battlefield 3 battlefield bad company 2 and obviously the assets from battlefield 2042 mm -hmm. um and it's not just that you're building stuff and like creating match types and player counts and match length and stuff like that once you do that stuff it actually goes out and people can play the modes that you create online which that's a big shift Mm -hmm. And it appears that Grid is going to do the same thing, and now you're getting it with Battlefield 2042. There's a little little bad company reference there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's nice to see them acknowledge that game exists. Yeah. Know? One thing I, I seem to have noticed over the years, though, is that when you give people the ability to do this stuff, a very small group of people end up doing it. Yeah, but they expect that. Yeah, that's always going to be the case in everything, even in dreams. Like you know, something yeah. like five percent. Oh, it's the... gotten really bad in dreams. Yeah, like it's really down to like an elite percentage of people in dreams who are still creating stuff, and that happens with pretty much every game where you give people tools to mm -hmm. build stuff because you start getting into it and you realize it's work. Like, oh yeah, it will give you an appreciation for the people who make games for sure because what you're doing with these tools are nothing compared to what developers really have to do, and they're still a pain in the butt to work with. It's like Nazis with knives versus medics with 
<laughs> like shock paddles. Yeah, That's I mean, you funny. can do whatever you want. You can set up what any kind of crazy. I would. Uh, I mean, I'm, I don't know if they've got like you know a lot of aircraft carriers. I would set up a Final Countdown thing. Remember that movie? Vaguely. So where the the USS Nimitz, the aircraft carrier from the eight, isn't from the eighties, but they go back and end up back in time and like right before the Pearl Harbor attack, and they know it's happening, and like F, there's a scene where F-14s intercept like zeros. Like Japanese zeros. I do not remember that at all. And um, it's it's fun. It's it's. I mean, it's Cold War as hell. But like, and there's a famous scene where um, where the 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 captain like they're like, what do we do? Like they find, sort of piece together what's going on, and finally the captain goes, splash the zeros. I say again, splash the zeros, and the F-14s like shoot down these World War II airplanes, and it's just this huge massacre. Oh wow! And it's kind of awesome. Huh? Um, and I would I, I would I would be very tempted to make a final countdown map on on this, uh, mixing the the World War II. maybe like. The modern, the modern team would have fewer players or right. something, and mm-hmm. like you're just sort of up against a mob of World War II era tech. But um, uh, game manual in chat says um, that they're trying to get the Roblox money. Hmm. I'm wondering, do you think that they'll allow people to sell the variants that they create in this stuff? No, well, no, because it's not the selling that he's talking about. He's talking about um, having to do like because Roblox, you have to buy the individual creations or pay oh. for them is a, it's a micro, so he's it's, insinuating that we'll get the first three games for free and then if you want like battlefield four stuff, buy more yeah you buy more assets to build with you might hit a point where like you have to pay for like individual you know, to, to do certain things with certain high level you know high-end creations they make um subscription model at some point to get free access to like the top whatever best things or whatever you know the curated stuff mm-hmm. um there's a lot of options there roblox is a racket i'm just wondering though if because Roblox, there's that carrot dangling, where if you create something good, you can sell it and make money. And I have, you would think that that motivates at least some people. That's never going to be a thing, really. Not you mean in Roblox or for anything? Like it we, already is a thing in Roblox. Yeah, but like it's not like it, it's a very limited thing. Like you always run into the problem of like that they ran into where you know there's a reason Velocity Girl never got to sell her Tony Hawk T-shirt on Xbox Live, and that's because you run into basically the idea of having to pay out people who are not employees of your company. Um, I don't know how contractors, I don't know how Roblox handles that. Um, but that is a very complicated legal situation. And I'm sure it's one that EA does not want to deal with. Uh, it's not that complicated. I run a business. You just, they're just independent so contractors. It's uh, it's not that simple. It is simple. I do it right. But you can't do a contractor thing for everybody who wants to sell a $5 thing on your thing. You could create a form online where people could do it. I mean, if look, if they can get Fig up and running, they could get something like that up and running. Mm, I'm from a family of lawyers. It's not that simple. I mean, I, I just don't think that they want to do. And it. it's yeah, that's that's a big part of it. Like you know, EA is big enough to work up a system for that. I don't think EA would be benefiting enough to bother. There are um, kids who have made a metric ton of money off of their Roblox stuff. Yeah, already. I don't think that's what's happening here. Yeah. Uh, I think they want a model that they don't have to pay the creators for but they might be able to squeeze money out of the creators for making stuff where people who play them mm-hmm. have to pay for access to the higher end stuff or like maybe you you know if, if someone's using like a high end I and mean, you're splitting the user base at that point but if you're pay, if you're using paid content to build your level um someone might have to own that content to play your level that kind of thing yeah um yeah there's a lot of yeah and it does and the trick on that of course is it doesn't feel like microtransactions right like you're not yeah. buying in-game currency right. to, to play play a slot machine kind of thing yeah. you're sort of like oh i'm getting something for my money sort of that there's a transactional element that is that feels more like you're getting something in return and ea needs to be really vigilant about that yeah because it has been pinned to the wall over microtransactions probably more than any other publisher 
Yeah, well, they're the only ones that got a call from Bob Iger about right. it. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good barometer right there. Um, so, anyway, that's really all they shared about Battlefield 2042. I was a little surprised by that because the game isn't that far off. I mean, it's cool. I mean, they have talked about it fairly extensively at this point. I mean, what else is there really to say about a Battlefield game? Right? Yeah. I mean, they could have shown, like, they haven't shown officially, like, much gameplay of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they've let, like, YouTubers and influencers play it and then post a little bit of gameplay here and there. But EA has yet to put out big chunks of raw gameplay from the game. Um, I feel like it would have been nice to see some multiplayer gameplay. I, I mean, I I am still in the honeymoon phase with PS5 and Series X. So I want to see what each game looks like running on that hardware. It's not like I was in year five of the PS4 and Xbox One era where you kind of figured out this is as good as the stuff is going to look. Like, to me, there's still a ceiling that these developers haven't reached. So I still get excited to see, hey, mm-hmm. this is Battlefield 2042 running on a PS5 or running on a Series X. I care about that stuff still. Um, and I would like to have seen more of that. Um, even if they just showed, like, one multiplayer match from the perspective of, like, five different soldiers or whatever. There's fun ways that you can do it to keep it engaging. But... Didn't get any of that. There is still plenty of time, obviously. Maybe they're just saving some of that stuff for yeah. later or on. Or maybe they, maybe the, their research shows more more people are like me, and holy shit, I don't care. Really? Like, I don't care what Battlefield looks like. It's Battlefield. Like, I'm not going to sit and watch. I mean, I get there's ray tracing, or you can make it look pretty. They're, they're like, but I get that from one look. I don't need to watch 15 minutes of people run around pretending to play multiplayer against each other to see, like, how nice the light looks coming past a building or something. Like, yeah, but it, I want to see, like, all the weapons that are in the game being used and how they look running mm-hmm. on Gen 9 hardware. It's all um, the same shit. I want to see the player counts. I want to see we 64 counts, dudes running across the field at once, and what's the fidelity on those eh, guys? I don't care because you're never going to see that happen in the game. Like, that'd be a cool demo, like what kind of what they just did with the Nazis versus shock pedal guys. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. Like, it, it's Battlefield. It's a known quantity up to, to top to bottom. Another thing to consider, though, is Battlefield has also been one of those benchmark games. It is, through the years, it has been one of those games that people look to to see it ha- what it the has tech been. level is at. I don't think that's true anymore. Hmm. I think Frostbite kind of undermined that. That could be. Yeah, I can see that perspective. Like, I, I do remember, you know, I remember Battlefield 1 was like, Gorgeous, you know. People couldn't believe what that looked like. All of them have kind of been when they first show them here and there, yeah. yeah. And like past past a certain point. I mean, Battlefield 1942 was not a looker, <laughs> but it was more yeah. like, oh, this is tons of fun. It was more like it'll run on everything, right? Yeah, that was kind of their focus then. Yeah, that was more like that was the Counter Strike influence. Yeah, and it was also like it was it was just a little project that no one thought was going to be anything, and mm-hmm. then suddenly that one time they showed it at Camp EA, nobody would fucking stop playing it and t- to go yeah, eat. until they kicked us out. Yeah, yeah, like we just sat there in that like big cafeteria <laughs> area and like just yeah, played it over that. and over, and people were just throwing C four on jeeps and running like Camp EA used to be great. And I remember we went to the we went to the Oakland A's game after that. Yep. and like the PR people were like. Why? Why is everyone so excited about this World War II thing? Like, no, they didn't. Uh, they didn't know fun. what they had. And we're like, it's fucking fun. And I remember talking to one of them about like I, was, I think it was me and Ryan Vance. We're just like, you should have like a big land party on the on the Alameda. I mean, yeah, and, and uh, they did it. And they did it. It was fun. <laughs> it was great. Like that was one of the best events I've ever been to. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, on a huge ship, huge, an actual bay. World War II aircraft yeah. carrier. Was that? Is that it's the so Hornet? Weird. It was that, an, it was an Alameda. Yeah, is that? But is that the Hornet? The name of the carrier? I think carrier? it was, yeah. It's in Alameda, but it's the, the yeah. Hornet, I think, is the I think it the was. Carrier. Yep. And, that was uh, a good event. And, like, right in the mid-deck, and we, we they had, like, two big circles of... of <laughs> it's crazy. It was fantastic. <laughs> it's awesome. Yep. Though that stuff doesn't happen anymore. It's a shame. No. Um, and then... And that was the crux, really, of EA Play, those three big games. Those were, like, the tent poles for it. 
And then they spent a hell of a lot of time on Apex Legends. You can mm-hmm. tell that that game is bringing in the money. Yeah, it's working for them. For I sure. mean, I think they spent more time Another on... Another respawn game that was basically made against EA's wishes. Yeah, a game that they didn't... Didn't they, believe in at yeah, all. they just made it. And yeah. they're like, well, we'll see if they like it once we make it. And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, that may not be such a bad idea. But it took up more time than any other game in this presentation. Yeah, I, th- I think this game br- brings in a lot of free money for them, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's just sitting on your butt and cashing yeah. the checks. And it's one of the only, you know, it's one of the only battle royale games that has really like held the line. Yeah, over time. That so many have come and gone since. Yeah, like if you know, if you're still carving out your little niche while Fortnite kind of rules the roost, like you're doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it c- it's continued to thrive, and you can tell by the focus that EA plays or puts into it mm-hmm. in its presentations. Uh, there is a new expansion coming out called Emergence, and they focused on that. Um, and then they showed a game called Lost in Random, which I believe is coming out pretty soon. Um, that was kind of like mm-hmm. their their indie game that they show in every presentation. Right. They always have one <laughs> that they focus on at a time. Um, and what's that called? Like EA Partners or something? That little yeah. like imprint that they have for yeah, all their EA Partners that for their right. indie stuff. Um, but Lost in Random. This is the game that was the big focus for that. And then the final piece of what they showed was Knockout City. Apparently that mm. game's doing well enough that they're getting ready for season two. Um, it starts on July 27th, so I think today. I guess that is today. Yeah, launch, season two of Knockout City launches today, so mm. they focused on that for a very brief amount of time. Um, Matt, what do you think about the EA Play overall? Like, if they had had this back at E3 and we sat and did, like, a live commentary mm. over top of it and gave it a grade at the end, how do you think you would have viewed it? I mean, it still would have been better than Capcom. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, that's kind of a solid C, I guess. Yeah. Um, and they have more time to get this together than everybody else did. Yeah. So, presumably... It wouldn't have been as good if they had done it back at E3. Yeah, I mean, I understand why you maybe didn't want to do it then or you needed more time for this or whatever, uh, But especially if you don't have any Star Wars to show. or um, Yep, no Star Wars in this presentation at but, all. No. But uh, at the same time, like maybe you overestimated what everybody else had and maybe would have blended right in. Yeah, it might have fit right in because yeah. E3 in general is just kind of anemic this year mm-hmm. in general. So I don't think it would have stood out. I don't think after E3 was over, people would have been recording no, rants about EA's not. press conference or anything like that. So it was passable. Um, we did get at least two new games debuted, and one I think for most people is a pretty big one, a Dead Space mm-hmm. game, even though it is a remake, which disappoints me a little bit. Um, I think most people were probably pretty excited for that. And uh, for racing game fans, I mean, the genre has kind of just gone underground at this point. You have, like, these three big franchises that just keep rotating. It's gone underground, but they won't remake Need for Speed Underground. Right. What the hell is that? Which is just money in the bank. Mm-hmm. I, it feels like the right time. It to... does. I don't get it. I don't know why EA won't do it. Like, but... I feel like the people who were, like, 12 when that came out are just the right age to buy a remake or a remaster. Yeah. I'm the right age to buy right. it again. It's my favorite Need for Speed of all time, and I think most people probably agree with that. It's certainly the best-selling Need for like Speed. Like, early 2000s street racing culture, there's like there's a, a boom of nostalgia around that now. It sold almost, like, 20 million copies yeah. back then. That was rare. And I bet that would look real good now. Yeah. Like, I like the I like the art direction in that game more than most of the other Need for Speeds. Like, it had, an, it had that nice kind of nighttime neon look. Yeah. Um, everything was wet all the time. <laughs> like, it would look great. With ray <laughs> tracing now, it would look amazing. It would. Yeah, because you see all the neon and the yeah, puddles and everything. Exactly. It would look amazing. What was that show on G4 that Big C did for us? Formula D. Formula D. That was that whole era. Drift yep. racing and just street racing. Yeah, the, the boom from Fast and Furious and Initial D and all that stuff introducing yeah. it. He was great. 
Big yeah. C was a really good dude. I wonder what that guy's up to now these days. I don't know. I, I saw some stuff with him. I mean, oh, really? I, He's still out there? I, I, he is still out there. And I think um, you know Rick Damagella, who produced uh, Formula D, like he work, he does movie red carpet stuff and interview stuff for CNN now, but like, mm-hmm. he mentions him once in a while. I've oh, seen, okay. Because like, they know each other. So. Yeah. Will not be coming back with the new G4. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> probably not. In fact, it doesn't appear like anything is coming back with the new G4. No, that means uh, we just passed a year since they announced G- the relaunch and still on? no launch date. So What is going on? Are they just no going to be a YouTube channel? <laughs> it's not looking good. They aren't even doing reviews like they used to. For I mean, Adam does, Adam does some stuff. Yeah, like, but they're like not the same. No, it's just him talking. Yeah. I don't know what's going on over there. I, but you're right. It's been a year since mm-hmm. they announced it. I saw people on Facebook are starting to get restless. Yeah. People yeah. have accepted at this point that Morgan is not coming back. Yeah, that's, that's a fair But it took assessment. people a year. To be like, okay, she's not going to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, several people were on that Thanksgiving special, and I think that was their obligation. Yeah, and but I think it was a little misleading to some people. I think maybe some people thought because those people were on there, that meant that they were going to be involved in some I way. I mean, look, like it's been a long time. People have moved on. Yeah, I get. Yeah, some people have moved on for sure. So anyway, that's EA Play. What should have been EA's E3 2021 press conference. Uh, as the lower third says, it ended up being the closing ceremony for E3 2021, and it wasn't a bad one. I thought it was pretty good. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Microsoft Flight Simulator. Um, as I said when the, in the show opened, the game came out last August for PC. Matt and I did not touch it because my rig couldn't run it. I'll be perfectly honest with you. It just wasn't. Yeah. It just mine do might it. have, but it wouldn't have been able to run it like to my satisfaction. I don't yeah. think. Um, and then this morning it was. Well, actually, technically, I thought it was going to launch last night, but it ended up launching early this morning onto Xbox Game Pass and for Xbox Series consoles. So now, both Matt and I have the ability to play it. Matt did ran out of time to play it today mm-hmm. because you preloaded it, and then there was another 27 yeah. gigs after yep. it was preloaded that you had to download. Yeah, it was a day one patch that didn't go up until the morning. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, I it, it, my... My Xbox is set to, you know, when it's asleep, it's supposed to patch things automatically. But unfortunately, it did the uh, the 20 gig uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla patch first. Oh. So when I turned it on, it was like 14 gigs into that. And I was like, oh, no, I'd rather you do the, the Microsoft Flight Simulator one. And it just, it ran, you know, I had to come here eventually. Yeah. And it was still only up to like 15 gigs. I mean, and I'll just full disclosure, I managed to play this for like an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes this morning. I have not spent a ton of time with it, but we did want to talk about it before it becomes yesterday's news. This isn't a huge high-profile game. Um, we probably won't come back to it, but I'll say this. Playing it two hours, I think I got a pretty good idea of the game. Yeah, I think uh, I think Game Pass is the right the right delivery method for this one. Yeah. Um, I, I've never been super into flight simulator. I love planes. I love flying. So that was my next question. What is your experience yeah. with this franchise? Because it's been around for forever. I've, the last one I played, I think, was X, whenever, okay. whenever that was. I didn't touch that one. Um, but, like, I, I don't have a lot of affinity for flight simulators because, like, I, I love flying and I love planes and I love the idea of flight. But in terms of a video game about them, I need, like, combat i need some kind of i mean also i'm more into goal something to achieve right more yeah more into jet fighters and that kind of air air, you know military aircraft kind of thing but like if i was flying one of these in real life i would definitely be excited and oh yeah i'd be terrified because if i fuck up i die (laughs) right yeah but in this it's just sort of like okay and i think it's kind of cool like 
I don't have any interest in doing it or talking about it really, but like I think it's kind of <laughs> cool that like there's people that like work up their own airlines in this game yeah. and like have schedules and fl- keep to them and like make up like networks of people that all sort of share the same fictional world and they will all run their own airlines in that world and like share schedules and like like a reality and so they're all their planes are kind of going back and forth every day and like you got people at work full time and they're just sort of logging into the thing and like lo- like making sure their schedules are running and this plane needs maintenance or whatever people like, like show that's super up for cool. like their flights to fly yeah. the planes yeah it's, it's and, really and weird and fly the whole like five hour flight from like LA <laughs> to New York and stuff and like just do the whole thing. I mean, yeah. a lot of that's autopilot, you know, like just like in real life. But like right. they're there with that, you know, ready to yeah. do the thing. In case and like, something and, happens, in case they something can happens. take control. And it's like I appreciate. Like I don't want to do that ever. Yeah. But I appreciate that. That I. It's it's like it's like people who do like model trains. Right. Yeah, like yeah. it's like I, I think, would never do it. I would never do it. But that's. I think that's super cool. Like yeah. it's a neat. It's a neat hobby and it's a neat like way to sort of escape reality i think that's neat well what helps with it is that everything is like real time so it pulls in like real time weather data Mm -hmm. all those flight schedules are all sucked into the game yeah it's all all, it's as close to actually doing it now today in reality as you can get without actually doing it yeah i would argue that and on this in this game no one tries to break into the fucking cockpit and because you made him wear a mask (laughs) which is which is bonus that's true i would argue that maybe that's in a patch maybe that's what that (laughs) <laughs> that 20 gig patches. I would argue that this flight simulator probably does a better job of teaching you how to fly a real plane than the real flight simulators did back in mm-hmm. like the 80s, 90s, Most and likely. early aughts. I mean, you do you think you'd probably really learn how to fly with this? Uh, certainly the uh, the of the model. Like if, you know, I would be fairly confident with someone who like was a was a, a hardcore player of this game if they were if it was like a real version of like a, a plane they flew in this game all the time. Like if a pilot had a heart attack and yeah. you're flying, like if somebody stood up and said, "I played the shit out of Microsoft Flight Simulator," I would tell that person to go to the cockpit. Yeah, on, if, especially if it was that plane, right? That model, oh, especially of plane. then, yeah. Um, yeah, and of course the the real tough part is like you know, actually landing. But this is, I mean, this is real accurate, especially if you're using like the hottest setup or the the you know the yaw, you know the full, if you have the full cockpit experience with all and the you can add-ons, buy controllers you can buy any or everything you can. You know, where every switch does something. Yep. Like there's people, and you can build your own. I mean, there's people that have full 747 like jumbo jet <laughs> layouts <laughs> in their nuts. in their home it's for so that. Um, and if that's your thing, go for it. absolutely. Yep. Um, so, Matt, to your point about... If I had a friend who did that, I'd totally want to come over all the time and just sit in the co-pilot seat and like <laughs> pretend we're flying somewhere. Hire just, someone to come over and give you like a drink and some peanuts. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's why they have kids. They're just all the, all the flight attendants. <laughs> Go to Party Roll, City and get a little carts up and down the <laughs> living rooms. So, yeah. um, to your point, Matt, about how this series hasn't resonated with you because there aren't really specific goals. I agree with you a thousand percent. That is why I have not. And I I know there are like goals where it's like, Oh, fly here. Do here. there's a little like, it's not really the same thing. They did do a Microsoft combat flight simulator back in the day. That was pretty good. That I I enjoyed that. Yep. Um, But I also just, you know, I'm not really playing games like this to learn how to fly. I'm more, I'm I'm happy to play ace combat or something. Arcady. I'm looking for entertainment. Yeah. yeah, in this game, I, I like would... IL two Sturmovic is about as far as I go in terms of like <laughs> combat simmy stuff. Yeah, as far as the modes in this, there's the the primary mode is really just this world map. It's a globe that you can just spin around, mm-hmm. and you can basically just set up whatever you want from there. You can edit a free flight, you can create a flight plan, um, and then you choose a plane. Um, 
And then you choose the takeoff and destination mm-hmm. airports. Well, you know what I can see myself doing is playing this while I listen like podcasts or something. Yeah. It's relaxing. Yeah, Even it is. this morning, I had just gotten up, and usually in the morning, I'm, like, ready to go. And I was, like, sitting on the couch, and I was like, I could see the charm of this game for some people, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> Until I fall asleep. And, <laughs> and I crash into the ground. into the ground. Yeah. yeah. Like a- and what, what I found with this, Matt, was my first, like, three landings were really intense. Mm-hmm. And I was on edge, and I was nervous. Oh, landing is terrifying. Landing Once is I the managed part to learn the landing, though, I felt like all the tension in the game was gone. Somewhat, yeah. But- you can set it up. So that it does almost everything for you. You can set it up so that it does nothing for you. And that is a little terrifying because Mm -hmm. there are so many instruments and knobs and gauges and that type of stuff in the cockpit. And the cockpit modeling is like ridiculous. And to be fair, even in real life, you don't have to do that all by yourself. It's true. It's like a lot of modern planes are very automatic. Even planes mostly land themselves now. Like you're not like, you want to do a little guidance. You want a human touch. Just, you know, paying attention to things that a computer might not see, but like a lot of it is automatic for the most part. Um, And you can choose as much or as little of that as you want to. You can just throw yourself into the deep end or you can set it up. So pretty much everything is handled and you're just kind of steering and controlling like your school. I going to see all the landmarks there and flying by. But that's what I did. So this is what I found. This is, how I made fun with had fun with this game was just basically ignoring all the other stuff and just picking exactly where I wanted to go and flying mm-hmm. by it. But once you do that, that charm wears off. The good news is it has the whole world. The whole world is in this game. In they use hand. satellite data to basically take a picture of the entire globe and it looks stunning until you get really close. And then if you get within, I don't know, I would say 300 yards of the ground, Everything looks like it. it's like Google Street View. Like if you're going and trying to get driving directions and you look at the actual building on the ground, there's it, the level of detail definitely suffers the closer that you get to it. However, some of the stuff, like the stuff that <laughs> I... such a dangerous flight. Yeah. The stuff that I chose to check out, all that stuff has been actually modeled, though. So like Statue mm-hmm. of Liberty, um, big... You know, buildings like the Empire State Building, that has been modeled by hand. Yeah, it's more like your house is not there properly. The Eiffel Tower has been modeled specifically just for the game. So the big landmarks actually are um, modeled, you know, by a designer who actually builds them and by polygon by Mm. polygon, et cetera. Um, I did. Just like almost any open world game, like you basically build it out with an AI and then like tweak the stuff that you know people are going to look at closely. Yep. And then I flew over where I live to see if my building was there. And it was there, but it looked different. Like, it had, I don't know how they do this. It had, like, a brick face, and my mm-hmm. building does not have a brick face. But now it does in Microsoft Flight huh. Simulator. I don't know how they're doing that. The technology in my this game. My guess is it's some kind of, like, AI interpolation thing. I guess. The, this game is doing crazy stuff. Like, it's using tech that really hasn't been utilized a lot in video games. And 90% of the time, it's all to startling effect. Do not touch screens. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, everybody would now. Oh, yeah, of you course. Everyone thinks it's a touch, touch screen. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so in addition to the world map mode, there's something called Corchevel. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Can I see that? What is it? It's C-O-U-R-C-H-E-V-E-L. Can I see the word? And those are basically live events in the game that just pop up, and they're like challenges that they give yeah, you. At, I don't know. They're challenges that they give you out of nowhere. Corchevel, I guess? Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. I had never heard of it before that. But that's like basically live events. And then there's flight training, 
Um, and most people are probably going to want to do that if they want to play the game actually using a lot of the instrumentation and the controls. And it's basically eight um, different training missions that you go through with a Cessna. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does pretty much prepare you for anything that's going to come your way in the game. Um, and so I thought the training was good, and that's really important in this game because this game yeah. is intense as far as learning the how to play. The onboarding is key on this. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. There's only 35 planes in the game right now, and to get the third, the, the extra five planes, you have to pay for like the mm-hmm. special version of the game or whatever. Uh, the base model only has 30, which I was kind of surprised at. I really thought there'd be a lot more than that, but maybe there aren't that many planes. Uh, there's only so many planes. Also, like if you're modeling these as as you know detailed, detailed as, as they are, are, like you can you only have so much time and room. Because the crazy thing about this game, and is- they're going to sell expansion planes for this forever. Oh yeah, so absolutely. And they only give you 30. But you can look backwards in this mm. and see they've modeled everything. Everything in that. In All the, the passenger yeah. seats, everything. All The whole inside of the plane is modeled, which is pretty amazing. Um, like I said, you can tweak just about everything. But the weather in this is nuts. Like, you can set, like, the particle size for the clouds and create, like, your own hurricanes. Um, as I said earlier, it pulls in the real weather. So if there's like a bad hurricane or a tornado someplace, you can go and fly into it if you want to, which Mm. is pretty cool. Again, it really feels like it's this game that lives in reality uh, because it's pulling in all the real flight data, all the real flights, all the real air traffic. So if a real plane is flying from Philadelphia to Washington, D.C. or whatever, you can go there and you can see that plane flying. But it's it's pretty crazy. Mm But I, I think what it comes down to, Matt, though... I did notice there was an extra thing. If you want to play it offline, you have to basically download a world map yeah. for an extra, like, 50 gigs. Yeah. Which is interesting. It makes me... Because they're streaming all that stuff through the cloud. Yeah. So, like, you have to basically... It seems like maybe they take a snapshot of it or a, or a default version. They've decided this is our default world, and that's what you play if you play offline. And maybe they update it every so yeah. often or whatever. But, Matt, I think you hit the nail on the head right out of the gate, which is my interest in this game waned very quickly. I've only played it for, like, two hours, and I was already kind of over it because there is there's nothing to achieve mm-hmm. in the game. There are no goals, really. Other than saying, yep, I flew from LAX to Narita in Tokyo mm. or whatever. It's like... <laughs> that is a long walk. Yeah. I mean, but, the other part um, about this game, too, is we should mention, is you don't have to do all these flights <laughs> in real time. Like, yeah. you can. You, you can, can if you want to. You can I mean, totally spend the 12 hours flying from LA to Japan if you want to, but you can also literally jump. You can take off in LA, LAX and immediately jump to landing in Japan. The flexibility of this game... If only. If only. It would not be nice. The flexibility of this game... I mean, you can do that. It's it's called... It's it's called drugs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The flexibility in this game, if this is something that you're interested in, like it's really unmatched. Yeah. Honestly, like it the the how it syncs reality with the game, um, how you can customize the experience to however much you like it. If you're interested in this game, I think you're gonna really like it. If you're someone like me who has tried to play these, and I've tried to play Microsoft Flight Simulator games for years and years, and generally what I do is I take off. For the first time, I crash for the first time, and then I never play it again. Mm. And I could—I guess it could also be argued that some of the fun in this might be crashing the planes. But I'll be honest with you, Matt. I feel weird doing it. After 9-11 and everything, I don't know why. Like, I, I just, like, I'm definitely wouldn't crash anything into a building 
But I'm sure a lot of people, that's the first thing they're going to do when they play this game, is just crash planes and fly them I'm into I'm certainly stuff. curious how detailed the damage is. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I just feel uneasy about it, and I wouldn't do it. I did crash a plane intentionally into the ground. I mean, I also wouldn't shoot someone in the face, but right. it's a video <laughs> game. I don't care. Touche. Um, so, I don't know. It's hard for me to recommend this game to anyone other than people who probably are already interested in it or have already played games in the past and really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, Commander Fett says, I bet this game would be really cool if you had a VR headset. Probably, and it probably yeah. wouldn't make me sick. Um, Schneeky asks, is it pick up and play or hard to control? I mean, that goes back to what I was saying about how you can customize everything. Yeah, you can, you can in the modern Microsoft Flight Simulators, you can pretty much make them play like Ace Combat if you yeah. want. You can set it up in so that you're just... they are to fly. Yeah, so you're just controlling speed and direction. Speed and, yeah, speed and the basic, you know... Y'all and all that X, stuff. XYZ axes. Yeah. But if you want to, you can turn all that stuff on. Right. And you're controlling everything. Every switch, every slider, every knob. You have to monitor every tack in, or whatever, mm-hmm. your altimeter, all of it. But if that's what you want, yeah. this thing delivers. Yeah, it's completely customizable so you can play it however you want. So, Sneaky, if you're like, I'm interested in this game by checking it out, don't let, like, oh, my gosh, it, it seems like it could be a crushing difficulty. Like, don't let that stop you from getting it. because Especially if you have Game Pass. There's no reason yeah, not I mean, to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no reason not to play this if you have Game Pass. Yeah. Um, for sure. Just I try mean, it. Why not? Yeah. It isn't that big of a download. Especially if you don't get the offline thing, yeah. Like it's only, I think it's only like forty gigs or something. If yeah, you don't do that. So it doesn't take forever. Plus the twenty twirty seven gig update today, I guess. right? But yeah, so it's up around seventy gigs right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think I don't think that all is adds in, you know, exactly. Some of it gets up patched in and, and merges, but like, you need some space for it, especially because you want to install it on the internal. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you're gonna have to. Because you can't play this off a hard drive, an external hard drive. And I mean, you can. can it'll work? It, it offered to install. I actually started installing it on my external really? at first, and I had to cancel it and switch it. I wonder what would happen if you played it off of that. Probably just load longer. That's it, you think? Yeah. You, might you have wouldn't some... have problems like streaming textures or anything like that? So. I don't think so. Okay. Um, but I played it for two hours today. I got the idea. It's beautiful. It's one of the most visually gobsmacking games I've ever played. I don't think that's going to be enough for me to keep playing. There might be a few more landmarks I want to check out that mm-hmm. I didn't hit today. Um, and maybe I'll go check those out. Like, I wouldn't mind, like, flying over, like, Machu Picchu and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Also, yeah, I should note that the uh, my external hard drive is an SSD. Okay. It's not, oh, a, re- okay. It's not a regular gotcha, hard drive. It's, gotcha. it's, a, it's an SSD that is... It probably wouldn't have any problems. On par. Things. It's not as fast as the internal one. Like, the internal one, just because of the connection in there, it's a little faster. But it is, you know, there is no discernible load time difference in, like... You know, non-Series X compatible games, as than if I put them on the internal. Like okay. you get about the same thing. I did notice a little bit of chug flying over New York City, over Manhattan. I mean, that's sort of expected, yep. I guess. Which was surprising to me because that means that there's a lot of polygons being drawn. So I guess New York City, they actually went in and modeled a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. um, hand by hand instead of just using the satellite data, which makes sense. Um, but otherwise, it ran great on my Series X. It's just gorgeous. Um, definitely made me feel good about owning a 4K TV for a couple hours mm-hmm. this morning. Um, but will I continue playing it? Is this something that like I would pay for myself? No, I wouldn't. But as you said, it's free on Game Pass. If you're even slightly interested, really no reason to not check it out. Is it a reason to get Game Pass? Eh, 
If you don't have it already and you're not interested in it, yeah. probably not. I don't not. know if anything can be called a single reason to get Game Pass. Game Pass is just sort of what it is. Well, there are some. Like, I think when Halo Infinite comes out, if it ends up being good, that would be something I'd be like, yeah, you should spend $13 yeah. this month to play Halo Infinite. But I don't know if I would do that with this if someone isn't already interested in it. Um, I Like, for instance, I would not pay for this game. Anything, probably. Mm-hmm. It's cool that it's free, and I'll give it a go, and I'll check it out and pass the information on to our viewers but for my own personal edification, probably not in my wheelhouse, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, so there you go. That's Microsoft Flight Simulator. Again, it's available for PC. It has been since last August. Now available for Xbox Series consoles as of this morning. And it's free on Game Pass. I highly recommend, if you're even kind of on the edge about it, then spend the $13 on Game Pass in that case. Don't, do not buy mm-hmm. the game. I would not. Um, before you can figure out if it's really for you. It is a technical marvel, for sure. It is the best flight simulator ever made, with for sure. Mm-hmm. So if that's stuff that you're looking for, uh, it fits both of those bills. Um, so there you go. That's Microsoft Flight Simulator. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about Activision Blizzard. And we actually talked about this when this news first broke. It feels like... Three years ago? It was a while ago. Because this yeah. has been ongoing. Yeah, it's continually bubbled up here and there as more people came forward or mm-hmm. more legal proceedings sort of you know got kicked into motion. Yep. So essentially what's happening is the state of California is suing Activision Blizzard for sex discrimination. It filed a lawsuit this week, which prompted Activision Blizzard to reply with its own statement. And that is really what dredged up a lot of the anger was mm-hmm. Activision Blizzard's statement. They have, apparently they just hired like a new guy who's handling that kind of stuff for them. And There's a lot of words to say, nuh-uh. Yeah. Um, and I actually have the statement here. So to let you know, basically women at Activision Blizzard for the last decade plus have been treated poorly working mm-hmm. there. They were either looked over for promotions, they were groped at company parties, they were sexually harassed, Women of color were never promoted and were paid less than the males who were doing their jobs. It's just been a complete mess and One a disaster. One of them killed herself? And so that's a little dicey. So mm-hmm. one woman did kill herself. On a business trip after a lot of other harassment had happened. But I don't want to speak definitively on that because no one has said yet whether what happened to her at EA or at Activision Blizzard was what caused her to do that. No, but you can never fully say that. But at the same time, people passing nude photos of her around at a company party uh, probably didn't help. Is that a that was one of the things that happened, that happened, to, happened her. to her? Yes, oh, that's rough, man. At least in the in the states, uh, you know, in the states case that was that was stated about that. Okay, which is awful. God, freaking awful. In fact, there's an NHL player who recently did that, and there's a big uproar right now going on in the NHL because a young player who was about to be drafted sent out pictures of this girl who had performed sex acts on him, mm-hmm. of her performing the sex acts. It came out that he had done it, and he apologized and everything, and then said, I do not want to be drafted. I need to take a year to work on myself and uh, go to counseling and prepare myself to be an adult in the NHL. And he was drafted anyway. Mm-hmm. A team was like, "We don't care. You're a good player." Oh, happens all the time. There was what was it? There's some guy. Uh, was it a? I can't remember what he is. But he's an Olympic athlete, and he's out there, and he's he's you know been accused repeatedly of of uh, you know sexual sexual harassment and abuse of women. And he's basically like, "Yeah, but I have a plan to keep myself away from women at the Olympics, so it's okay." And this is like so not the point 
Well, the dude, team that like, drafted this player didn't have any plan. So mm-hmm. you would think yeah. that as soon as they draft him, they're like, okay, we know this is controversial, but this is the plan we're going to have in place. We have counseling ready for him. We have this whole thing we're going to develop to make sure that he learns what he did was wrong and he doesn't act that way. Nothing. They're just mm-hmm. like, he's a good player and we're taking him. And so people are like freaking out. It's the Montreal Canadiens that drafted the player, by the way. Um, so this stuff is going on in all industries, it seems like. Well, I wouldn't go that far. It's not um, all industries. A lot of them. A lot of them. More than you would know or expect, uh, maybe is a better way to put it. If you're a guy. If you're a guy, right. Yeah. Women know all about it. Oh, yeah. Because women talk to each other about stuff that they don't share with men all the time. Yeah. Because we don't believe them. Right. We blow them off. We don't believe them or whatever. They're not going to get the response that they deserve, in Mm -hmm. all honesty, if they talk to a man. And even if they do, nothing's going to be done about it. Yeah. Because the same, you know, the men, even if there are men who believe you, there are men in charge who don't care. Right. And in a lot of cases, they're their boss. Yeah. As and, as Jim Stephanie Sterling said this week, uh, you know, he's like, I can, they, she, they said, look, I, I can talk about this all day, but no one cares. You know, yeah. e- Eves doesn't care what, what Jim thinks. Uh, uh, you know, Bobby Kotick doesn't know who Jim is or why anything's being said on their channel. So yeah. why, you know, it's like, I, th- I think the, the most relevant statement uh, Sterling said was, None of us have a flamethrower big enough yeah. for this, to burn this down, basically. Well, former Blizzard executives Mike Morhaime and Chris Metzen both released statements about the lawsuit. Uh, the lawsuit claims that uh, Activision fostered a, and this is quote, quote, fostered a sexist culture and paid women less than men despite doing substantially similar work, assigned women to lower-level jobs and promoted them at, low, at slower rates than men, and fired or forced women to quit at higher frequencies than men. Uh, the lawsuit also claims that black women and other people of color at Activision Blizzard were particularly impacted. Um, and then, as I said, two of the – and these guys don't even work at Blizzard anymore. They're mm-hmm. the ones who had to come out and say, I am disgusted by this. This is the company that I started, and I never would have dreamed it would turn into this. Um, that was what they said. And then the response from Activision Blizzard, um, and this is all, quote, the D-F-E-H, and that is the – Organization in California that investigates these sorts of claims um, includes distorted and in many cases false descriptions of Blizzard's past. We have been extremely cooperative with the DFEH throughout their investigation, including providing them with extensive data and ample documentation, but they refuse to inform us what issues they perceived. Are they supposed to? It's an investigation. Right. I don't want to tell you what they're looking into right, because, because you're you can cover your it up. Behavior or cover yeah. it up. Exactly. Uh, they were required by law to adequately adequately investigate and to have good faith discussions with us to better understand and to resolve any claims or concerns before going to litigation. But they failed to do so. I am I have no idea if that's true. No, but at the same time, a lot of times when you know when you're putting out a, a statement like that as a corporation, good faith in that context just means making sure nothing happens to us. Yep. Uh, continuing the quote, instead they rushed to file an inaccurate complaint, and we will demonstrate in court. We are sickened by the reprehensible conduct of the DFEH. Oh, them. <laughs> That's the big mistake right there. Yeah. That's where they really effed up. Like, so you start reading that sentence, and you're gonna you're assuming in your mind that they're gonna say, of the people who perpetrated this against our employees. But no. They're disgusted and sickened by the reprehensible... Reprehensible is a word you've chosen. ...conduct there, yes. of the DFEH to drag into the complaint... Yeah, the they tra- had us in the first half on that sentence. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But to, then, whew, 
than to drag into the complaint the tragic suicide of an employee mm-hmm. whose passing, and this is what they say, whose passing has no bearing whatsoever on this case and with no regard for her grieving family. Uh-huh. Does this guy still have a job? Probably. He should be sounds fired. Like, sounds like he fits right in. He should be fired. While we find this behavior to be disgraceful and unprofessional, it is unfortunately an example of how they have conducted themselves throughout the course of their investigation. It is this type of irresponsible behavior from the unaccountable state bureaucrats that are driving many of the state's businesses out of California. That's that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Who? who, Okay, so the guy. I don't know, but I bet I know who they voted for. Oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. dude. That's, that sounds real adjacent to certain other rhetoric I've heard in the last few years. That sounds terrible. I mean, it's, it is terrible. It doesn't yeah. sound terrible. It I mean, look, terrible. man, I think this is the end of Blizzard. Really? Like, I don't know how you re- rehabilitate that brand name. Because some people don't, as Produ- we said earlier, a lot of people don't care. Right, but here's the thing. I've seen, like, hardline Call of Duty bros who, like, normally would be almost, like, Gamergate adjacent being, like, Nah, this ain't cool. Like, really? Like, the, like, I've seen, like, Call of Duty, like, hardcore Call of Duty stands sort of, like, on Twitter being like, oh, no, I'm not okay with that, with what's with, with what the state is saying happened here. And I really want – you know, they may not be condemning, like, I'm never going to play Call of Duty again, but they're sort of like, I really want to see what the outcome of this is, mm. which is, like, way more of a measured response than I would have expected from people who just want to play a video game and be left alone. Well, people are in damage control mode. Yeah. So Dan Shu, who is Shu from EGM Days, he mm-hmm. now works at Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Um, he I did see his statement. Yeah. He put out a statement both on his Facebook page and on his Twitter feed, basically defending Blizzard. He said that he's worked there for quite a while now. He's never seen anything like this happening. Um, he feels like all the teams he works on are diverse and that people are rewarded properly for their work. Um, he did swear, like, saying, you know, my team can always come to me, and if you, you don't think I can handle it, take it over my head. Like, he did lay out, like, a... You know, like, you know, if this is happening and you think it's happening and I'm part of it, like, go over my head, do what you need to do to do that. Uh, I, I didn't take his, his statement as too uh, defensive of, of Activision Blizzard. I felt more like, like I've said before in situations like this, uh, sort of like where things like this happened where we were around and we didn't see it. Predators know who they can't do that shit around. They know who's going to pick up on it. And yeah. I would not, I mean, I don't know Shu super well. I, I've only, you know, worked with him a few times and talked to him a few times on Facebook, but like, um, he does more or less strike me as someone who would not put up with that. Also, like, yeah. you know, if there's racism going on, a non-white person is probably going to not be cool with it. Yeah. Um, so like, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they were very, you know, there's, there's an in-group or a boys club sort of thing mentality happened. And, you know, these guys know who they, who they can do that around and who they have to hide it from. So it doesn't super shock me that he would not have seen much of that. I also feel like there's a level of self-preservation to this stuff. Where they're mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, people know I work at Blizzard. They've heard all this stuff is going on. Yeah. I don't want people to associate me me with that behavior. And so I think there's a little bit of that in there too. Yeah. Um, and Shu is a good guy, by the way. He's a, actually a great guy. Yeah, too, I love uh, too, Shu. Uh, the best of my knowledge, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know him pretty well, and I've worked with him in certain situations where pressure is on, and that's mm-hmm. where you generally see someone's true colors. Like, I believe Shu when he says this stuff. I think he's telling the truth. Um, to your point about. Blizzard going, I do not see that at all. There's, I don't think there's any way that Blizzard ends. And I do feel like there's one thing we should also I mean, mention. I think they just call everything Activision. 
going forward would be what I do. I mean, I I mean, production stopped on World of Warcraft. Like that's how big this is. Like I didn't think anything could stop that. Yep. Um, One thing I feel like we should mention is that most of this is Blizzard. By the way, it is not Activision. We're not hearing this from like the Call of Duty teams or the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Mm -hmm. teams, the active or the crash bandicoot teams yeah it sounds like there was a just a culture of this at blizzard yeah separate from active i'm sure activision is not perfect in that regard either at all um there's i don't believe for one second that call of duty isn't made by some kind of frat boy culture in some respect yeah but like it's really sounds like blizzard was the cesspool on this one yeah judging by the, the state's complaint and i think that's important to delineate that even though they are the same company they weren't always the same company no um, activision bought blizzard mm-hmm. and, they and there's always of... been sort of a weird like a little crowbar there between yeah. them even after they were bought there was sort of an element of like well you guys keep being blizzard and, and they were they allowed them to be autonomous yeah and i wonder which if was that uh, yeah i mean yeah that absolutely. ended up being a huge mistake yeah maybe so and they probably regret that. Like maybe point. more scrutiny was in fact needed here. And Even though if you think about it, they were celebrated when they did that. Yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, they're going to leave Blizzard well, because, alone. Right. Well, because at the time, Blizzard was like the seal of quality to most people in terms of the games they made. I don't know if that's really true anymore. Um, not in part because they don't make a lot anymore. But it's like, you know, a lot of ga- stuff they've, they've put out and done and how they've handled certain things, you know, ex- you know, separate from this, just in terms of a video game business, I think has sort of... Um, soured soured the bouquet a little bit for some people. Like certainly, people were not are not after Diablo three. They are not as excited about Diablo four. Maybe I, you know, yeah. there's been I I haven't seen anyone who plays World of Warcraft religiously say anything positive about World of Warcraft in years. Like, <laughs> you know, I just don't know what's there anymore. You know, Blizzard. Well, somebody, used- I'll I'll let you know this, Matt. Matt. Someone on our Patreon about a month ago said that they were dropping their pledge because we don't talk about World of Warcraft enough. So. <laughs> It's like what? Well, here you go. <laughs> it's too late. He's gone, Matt. Yeah. He never got to hear it. Come on back. We're talking now. Yeah, talking well, about- and the funny part was we actually do talk about it pretty frequently. I just went back to the game page for World of Warcraft on Sifted and just looked for all the episodes of Game Face that were in. And I was like, okay, we don't talk about it. We talked about it here, 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 and here. Didn't matter. He still left. But anyway, mm. well, we're not going to be talking about the latest raid strategy. No, we're definitely not. This I mean. is not a World of Warcraft podcast. I can guarantee you that much. Um, so after that statement was released, everybody like was recoiled in horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and fifteen hundred employees from Blizzard ended up signing a petition um, that basically explained that statement was a bunch of crap. We all work here. Some of us have worked here for fifteen years. We've all watched it with our own two eyes. We've heard it with our own ears, um, and basically said, you know, this is a bunch of crap, and that. This, and it is weird that Blizzard would say that that's not how the laws work, and that's not they didn't do it do the investigation by the book. Um, it's it would be the statement's awful, mm-hmm. but it would be completely incompetent if they didn't actually look and see what the laws were before they put that statement out. And if it is the case that California did not follow the rules, I will say this: some of the stuff, the way it was written. By the what is it again? The GFEH or whatever. DF DFEA. It seemed it almost read like it was written by like a middle schooler. Did you read through some of the report? Yeah, I read that. Like it read pretty standard legal briefing. It didn't seem legal though to me. It, se- it didn't seem like a lawyer wrote it. It seemed like uh, just some dude wrote it. No, it's it read like a legal brief. I it mean, didn't to me at all. You haven't read enough of them then. Like that's 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 not unusual. I mean, that's that's a that's the presentation of the complaint. Like if you want, like if you want to talk about what they're going to actually say in court 
that is going to be less more buttoned up. Yeah, more buttoned up and more precise and okay. more formal. This is just like here's all. And sometimes when you're doing like a big thing like this, because there's a lot, you know, there's tons of sections of every single incident they cite. Some of that is done uh, just for the sake of of expectations of accuracy or what you might say or bring to court later or the hearings or the discovery later. Mm-hmm. You are um, you are a lot of times quoting witnesses. You're you are quoting what was what you know someone to have said. So some of that can come off as a little more casual because it's gotcha. just, it's okay. kind of like a you're sort of adapting what someone said literally. Mm-hmm. And if you were going to adapt that into a court argument, an argument in front of a judge, that would be a different thing. You, know, you would you would present that differently. But often those statements are kind of like it almost reads like a giant like like laundry list of sh- of st- of shit basically. Yeah. Um. Literally in this case in some in some cases, but like it didn't read too too weird to me. Okay. Um, you'd also be shocked at how many typos there are in like court documents and so it's like it's 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 a massive ream of paperwork and it just goes on and on and on and mistakes happen and and yeah. tone is tone is tone. Um, the other thing to remember, and this is complete conjecture and, and speculation on my part, uh, a lot of the really, really, really good lawyers work for the high-priced firms and don't work for the state. It's true. Yeah. So, you know, Where they make real money. But I have a hard time believing, you know, the, we live in an era where you can just straight up accuse, especially government entities, of doing things they never did or not abiding by laws that don't exist. And you a know? certain segment of our society will sure. accept it and believe it. Like look, and yeah, yeah. like look without how, investigating. Look how, it. And, and like you, or you can just take a thing. You know, it's the HIPAA like right. strategy, right? <laughs> like that's not what that means. Know, that's I not know. what that law means. It also doesn't have two P's in it, you damn morons. <laughs> but like. That's not what that – but if you say it over and over and over and over enough, people believe that's what that is. And yeah. so, like, this this felt like a well, gas – it's like freedom of speech. This, this, the, same thing has right. happened, the same thing has happened with right, freedom no of speech. Right, because no one knows what that means. But, like, w- this – that statement, there's elements of that statement where they're talking about that that organization feels like gaslighting to me. Oh, yeah. Agreed. A billion percent. Absolutely. Like, there's a lot of stuff in that statement that makes me feel like you're just hoping that that gets repeated enough that people believe it and it goes away. Yeah. Yeah. And it might. Sadly, we'll see. That's I mean, how our I mean, society the, seems the, to work anymore. Sort of, but the, you know, society isn't the same thing as the state. The state, you know, the yep. California state of California does not come after major corporations like this very often. Well, I think we saw that with the whole election fraud stuff. Right. It's like they can say is, whatever the hell they want, but when they go into court, they're like, "Oh, yeah. we don't well, actually your, have any proof." Where's your actual evidence? Because they can't. Because like, there they isn't can't, anything. They can't, well, there isn't any proof, and, and remem- they can't lie about it because right. they'll go to jail. Right. That's when that, it gets real. Right. The courts basically were the final roadblock, and it was possible that. The judges could have rolled over for that shit, but judges, that's the trick. And like, that's one of the mistakes made about the Supreme Court thing is they should have held the Supreme Court nominations until after they'd secured the election fraud. Uh, fraudulently like convinced them to win the election for them because once you have been appointed to that court seat, you don't need the people who appointed yeah, you anymore. Yeah, it's done. Your lifetime. That's lifetime. They couldn't like, have done that though because he would have not been president. And he wouldn't have been right. It was a calc- but McConnell was was right. still going to be there. Yeah. So like they could have they could have finessed that. That was that was a tactical error, and I'm glad they made it. But, but it, it is the same deal though. You can say whatever the hell you want when you're right. out on the internet. Talk about whatever. You, yeah. And when that, you go into court, yeah. suddenly. Suddenly you got to deliver. They were even saying like, oh, we don't even believe there was fraud in court. Right. Because <laughs> they can't lie in court or they'll go to jail. Or, you know, or even if the, you know, you know, the, the people that are paying them want them to lie. But those lawyers know that if they do that, that's the end of their career. Yeah. They're going to be disbarred. Um, yeah. And that'll, that'll potentially happen here, too. And also, like, 
like that organ I don't know a ton about the organization they're accusing here. I'm going to guess they don't throw a lot of frivolous slap suits at, yeah. at people for no good reason because yeah. like Well, it's a state. Why would yeah, it's they? Yeah, it's a state. Why well, it doesn't get you anything. It's not a slap lawsuit. It does it does like that's <laughs> the whole thing. You don't thing. know a slap lawsuit is a frivolous lawsuit that you use to get someone else to relent because they can't afford, can't afford to it, yeah. represent them. Because like and th- maybe for the people who don't live in America in the United States, like in, in the United States you can sue someone for anything. You can make it up. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Like uh, it can be anything for literally anything. Will you win? Not necessarily, unless it's a real thing. But because of the way the court system works, you still have to. You know, the defendant has to pay to. Yeah. yeah, you can try. You can you can take a financial chunk out of someone doing that, whether you they, they win or up. lose or whatever. And even if you drop the suit, it doesn't matter. Like you've yep. still done damage. You still had to pay for the lawyers. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Matt, I think, and the slap laws are trying are, are things that are trying to prevent that from happening by penalizing the person who brings the frivolous lawsuit. Right. Um, Matt, this seems to just keep happening in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just Activision Blizzard. There's been several publishers, developers, Ubisoft, Riot. We can go on and on. Mm-hmm. Is our industry full of a bunch of creeps? Yes. I'm really thinking that that's the case. I don't. Think, I don't real... think it's unique in that sense. But yes, it yes, was. It um, that was what hit me with this. That I've has not hit me before now it all the whole mountain of everything just kind of smacked me at once and i was like are all these people a bunch of freaking creeps Mm -hmm. and i do think it allegedly allegedly well i mean calling someone a creep isn't sure liable you're not liable for that i can call someone a creep all i want um that's, I, that's how that's how Penn and Teller's bullshit worked. Was you, it's, it's illegal to say someone did something criminal, but you can call them an asshole all day. Right, exactly. Because that's just an opinion. Exactly. How do you think it's like this in all industries, though, or do you think it's yes. more prevalent in games development? Um, I think it's pretty common in everything. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen this stuff happen to to me at any place I've worked. We've discussed that before. You said people have a to do this have a radar for people, and they can figure out mm-hmm. if someone's going to turn them in or not. And they tend to only do it in front of people that they know are going to let them get away with it. Um, but I've worked. You either you, those people learn that fast because you, know, you either learn that or you get or you caught get, repeatedly you get and you don't get. Yeah. You know, you're not that high up. So, that, you know, in terms of this, you know, there's like, oh, all the, how are all these people so good? Is it because the ones who aren't good at it don't climb that high? Yeah, don't get to the position of power where they can really turn it into a systematic thing. Yeah, that's what happens. You're, you're dealing with essentially you're dealing with professional creeps yeah. at that point. People who have learned how to manage, yeah. and we did have a few creeps on our level in in some of the, and like they just didn't last very long. Hmm. Obviously, I don't want to say you to say people's names on the no. show, but but we did encounter some of it. Uh, yeah. Maybe you were gone by by some. There of were that. a. Cu- you're right. There were a couple people we worked with at G4 who mm-hmm. were interns, not the ones that you saw on camera, the fun, happy interns. We had a couple other people that worked with mm-hmm. us who. I don't know if they were creeps so much as that they were just so socially awkward that they didn't understand how they were supposed to act. Mm-hmm. And we definitely, we did have some of that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I can think of a couple people in particular. So you're right. Yeah, we did have, we did have brush elbows mm-hmm. with some of those people. But here. those are the ones you catch. And I will say this too. Those people didn't realize they were doing it. And when you pointed it out, they felt terrible. Yeah. They weren't like Blizzard. Where they're like, oh, let's just sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. Like, they got it once you brought it up. But they were just like, I didn't even realize I was being that way or mm-hmm. I had affected them in that way. To us, it was obvious. But yeah. to them, it wasn't. And people are different. Some people don't perceive things the same way as others. And so mm-hmm. there is some wiggle room in there. 
But the stuff that's going on here with Blizzard, like it's a completely no, this is this story. is a systematic this is, company. Like, this is a, institutional. Yeah, this is a company culture thing. Right. Basically, it seems like this was part of how that. I mean, you don't have that the cubicle crawl thing like they talked about. Where what the, was that? That was like male employees would just get drunk in in the office and uh, and do like a bar crawl through the cubicles and harass the women uh, that were working. Oh. Uh, like that's that was just <laughs> like a thing they did. Let's that happen. The manager doing it with them, I think. Probably. Yep. Who knows? Like, you know, I don't think there were no specifics named in terms of who was doing any of that as far as I could read in that. But it was something that was brought up by multiple people. Yeah. What's going to come out of this, Matt? Is it going to be just a big class action lawsuit, huge settlement that they pay out to the victims? Um, because this actually started a long time that ago. That would be a separate suit. This would be this would be fines paid to the state. Okay. Um, because this, was hap- this started happening, like, they already went through this. I mean, if they And do- we're supposed to institute changes, and they say that they have, but... And yeah. according to Shu, they have. Uh, yeah, but you know, stuff still happened, and there's probably right. still consequences to be had for that. Um, and it kind of depends. In, you know, this stuff we don't know about this internally. Like what what action was taken? Like this this organization will get access theoretically to exactly what was done, exactly what steps were taken. Were they adequate? Were they appropriate in terms of like you know addressing the severity of what was happening? Um, if they are, if you know, if there is a guilty verdict, you know, if, if these things are found to be inadequate or whatever, like that does open up, I think, the civil cases uh, to, against them. Mm-hmm. Like you could see, you could see that happen. Um, probably should see that happen. Mm-hmm. Like you see, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes forward. Um, and it, you know, it, it will filter into the mainstream news. It will get bigger in terms of it already reporting. is. It already is. But I it's was researching conti- this. It's, it's going to continue to be a talking point, and that's what I mean when I say Blizzard might be over. Is like. The solution here for for Activision moving forward is might be to just completely clean house, get rid of the Blizzard name, call everything Activision going forward, and you know, you know the like World, World of Warcraft will be an Man, Activision game. And if they did that, the gamer caters will lose their minds. Oh well. Oh, I mean, I don't give a crap either. Yeah. but they will. <laughs> I mean, they will lose their. But like minds. you're talking about a thing. You know, there's a lot more normal people than oh, yeah. those people oh, yeah. and like you're gonna have to like find Ratio. a way you need to find a way to make people okay subscribing to world of warcraft again that's after true this. yeah the recurring revenue stream you know you're sitting there thinking like i'm giving this company money every month or every six months or whatever whatever your subscription is uh for this and like do i want to support that i mean i would be sad to see blizzard disappear to be honest with you but i would totally understand it yeah i mean that, to me that i mean especially because activision is pretty cutthroat in terms of corporate what needs to happen and we don't care what happens like there's no sentimentality in activision's business right. decisions you yeah. know um and to me uh, if i'm thinking ruthless corporate like we need to solve this problem and make people kind of forget about what happened here just never make people say the word blizzard again yeah from, from a PR perspective, but I like I don't, I don't know how you rehabilitate that, especially if you continue to kind of draw that sort of little crowbar line between Activision and Blizzard, which used to be a, a you know a PR bonus, and now it feels like a PR liability. Yeah, yep. So anyway, that's the latest on the Activision Blizzard thing. It's been going on now for like eight years. Mm-hmm. It just won't end. Who wants to go to BlizzCon? <laughs> Anyone? Let's Bueller. go, Bueller. Yeah, I. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do think it's going to take a long time. Yeah. Because we've already figured out it, t- it takes a long time for any of this stuff to happen. It just, it's already been eight years, and now it's come back up again, and it's going to go back yeah. underground again, and like, I don't know. Yeah. And you, and again, investigate all of them. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Like, like this now should you, be. You get to a point where some people could start taking advantage of the situation. If they perceive that a big civil suit is coming, 
and they're like, oh, there's going to be payouts for these people. Where And that could encourage people to create false reports and false accusations. It's Yeah, but you're going to be able to – this organization that from the state is going to ferret those out pretty well. Yeah. Like also, also, false accusation of this shit is very, very rare yeah. because there is always a sense of shame – uh, when you're accusing someone of having done this to you, because it uh, happened to you, because it happened yeah. to you. Also, like you know, you're always going to get people that don't believe you. Abuse, death threats, like yeah, any kind of public, you know, uh, admission of this or accusation of this is always going to come with more negative than positive. Yeah, um, you have to go through years of of legal stuff with it. Like like, I find it very hard to believe people would put themselves through that like voluntarily for what would be a fairly minor payout at the end of a very long, grueling process. It may not be minor. I think it will be minor for civil suit stuff, yes. Maybe. And like outside of like, you know, the big big altercations like it's just cuz cuz the you know the, some of this outside of the big issues and the you know the big the, the really horrific stuff they're talking about there's you know at other companies I think you'd have sort of a death of a thousand cuts sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um just like constant, you know, I'm sure if you dig in almost any AAA developer AAA publisher, you're going to find some element of this kind of culture. Yeah. Um or just disgruntled employees cuz yeah. they're Long hours and people get oh, yeah. salty, and and some of it is just be, you know you spend your whole life at these places, and yeah. so a lot of shit you know boils. You know, there, we we probably would have been in trouble with a lot of stuff that happened at G Four and Tech TV. Now, maybe you know, like that was yeah. you know, we 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 were around each other constantly for both professionally and socially mm-hmm. at Tech TV, especially. Yeah. Like there's about 14 different ways I can think of that everybody would have been fired by the end of one of our <laughs> nights at the fucking at the fucking uh, Petrara Brewing Company. Oh, you know? I don't know about that. Like modern we day, like we weren't bad, like. The, dipping, I don't remember any bad stuff happening. Not bad. I mean, mostly because everybody was already like with somebody. Everybody had right. Had a but what I'm talking about is that whole thing, like that company culture of like you know the whole don't don't dip your pen in the company ink thing. Uh, like God, yeah. everyone at Tech TV was dating each oh, other. Oh, it was very incestuous. Like, yeah, there. yeah. It's uh, it's it was it's it's not it's not a thing that would probably be accepted today. That's maybe true. Yeah. So anyway, that's the latest on Activision Blizzard. To me, um, go, working at Tech TV was like going to college again, and I don't think that is something a little that would bit be, yeah. would be taken very very. Except positively. we were all getting paid. <laughs> yeah, I mean the pay was good. <laughs> the desks were better. But <laughs> yep. So anyway, there you go. That's the latest, and I hate to even laugh at all during that topic, mm. but I did get at least a little levity from your final comment there, Matt. <laughs> uh, that's the latest on Activision Blizzard. It won't be the last time we talk about it, I'm yeah. guessing. And for less levity, just go watch the Jimquisition episode on it, when which he, which Jim very, you know, they very specifically do not make any jokes about yeah. it, and they say that you know. People were like, oh, you must feel so vindicated because these things you were saying were happening all these years. You know, now there's pretty, there's pretty solid evidence that this, if the state's going up against it, the state certainly believes the same thing that Jim does. Mm-hmm. And Jim basically said, there's no, I there's don't, no winning it's like, this. I don't feel good about this. Yeah. I feel sick from yeah. it. That's like, not like you when you call like a game release right. date. Like, <laughs> it's not something you feel no, good about. I don't, about even, I don't about. even feel good about that. Right. I'm not happy that we got to wait that long to play Elder Scrolls, <laughs> but the, but reality's reality. Right. And you know, Jim was never doing that to 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 win an argument right. or to or say to I get right. clout or something or yeah. to say I told you so. They were doing it because they believed that's what was happening. It was a serious issue that needed to be discussed. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Jade Raymond's new studio, Haven Studios. As you guys all know, she has bounced around for the last eight years now. Is that right? Something like that, yeah. She left Ubisoft. She went to EA to work with Amy Hennig. That project and studio was shut down. She went to Google Stadia to head up their first party development. That lasted all of about a year. And she has now moved on to a new studio to form her own studio called Haven Studios. We did not have 
a good idea of what was going on there, but some leaks have come out this week uh, that indicate what her kind of her plan is. And in fact, one of the leaks came from, surprise, surprise, a job listing. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was, I believe it was in Italy, there was a staffing agency hiring for positions for Haven. And they were hiring for a position for a game as a service. How do you feel about Jade Raymond and crew working on a game as a service, Matt? Um, I had a lot of hope as, for this studio. As James Cameron said about Alien 3, it's not how I would have done it. Yeah. I was pretty disappointed to hear this because a lot of the messaging. What is her, What is Haven? Does Haven have a publisher yet? Is they, is they, yeah, PlayStation. That? Is that PlayStation? Oh, it's oh yeah, they PlayStation. Make, they're making games exclusively for PlayStation. Yeah, they already Man, signed the contract. Sony would know better than that by now. You would think, but it doesn't appear that way. I mean, just, just make everyone involved play Avengers until they pee their pants and promise never to do it again. Look <laughs> at that. Um, her statement when they when she launched Haven was she wanted to pick her her favorite coworkers and her best coworkers mm-hmm. from all the places she's worked and pluck them out of whatever situation they were in and bring them into this haven. Yeah, the name of the company is not a mistake. Yeah. Not an accident. It's named that because she wants it to feel like a safe harbor for people who have, like her, gotten sick of being tossed around from one company to another, never being able to complete projects. She wants it to be a safe haven for mm-hmm. people like that. Um, and to that point, she has already hired... Six people away from the Google Stadia first party team, and she just hired the art director for Assassin's Creed. Um, those hires, I mean, I don't know much about the people from Stadia, but the art director from Assassin's Creed sounds like a good hire to me. Oh. Also, I would think so. Probably ensures that whatever she works on next will at least have a similar tone or quality of tone um, to stuff that she's worked on in the past. If you don't know who Jade Raymond is, I don't know how that would be possible, but if you don't, she was one of the creators of the first Assassin's Creed, worked on the second Assassin's Creed, also helped get Watch Dogs off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's around the time when she left for, well, I think what she thought were going to be greener pastures. And as it turned yeah. out, they weren't. Nope. That was that was just EA. Yeah. Doing EA's things. Matt, are you more excited or less excited for Jade's new project now that you find out it's a game as a service? I mean, I don't know. It doesn't just because they're looking into that doesn't mean that that's what's going to be in. It's a well, they're hiring out. for it. They're hiring for it, but that doesn't mean you're going to end up doing it that way. It might be just an explorational thing. Um, I mean, why would you hire someone whose expertise is in one thing if you don't plan on doing that one thing? Because you can change your mind later. But then that employee doesn't have value. Well, then you fire them. <laughs> I don't know. I know Jade pretty well. I, I don't think that's how she would operate. It may be out of her control. Well, we didn't I don't think know. she would make a game as a service either. What? We didn't think she'd make a game as a service voluntarily either. I honestly had no either. clue. She hasn't made a game in like 12 years. True. I have no idea what she would make. So I don't know. I mean, I'm happy to, you know, game as a service is not my favorite thing, but it's also not something that's going to stop me from playing anything. Like, it's, it's disappointing, but I'm going to wait and see what this thing is before I decide that I'm done with it before it exists. Do you think this is a mandate from Sony? Or do you think this is what Jay wanted to make? It doesn't seem like it, but it might just be a financial, believed to be a financial necessity. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll see. Maybe she has a better idea than Avengers did. I mean, she has no experience working in that space. Obviously, that's why she's hiring people who do. As far as far as we know, like we don't know what other things she worked on in the meantime. Yeah, I mean, she's she never might shipped. she might have a golden game as a service idea that no one's ever been a- allowed her to, to make. It's true, but she's never shipped a game as a service. No, I mean got, she's kind of it's kind of crazy to think about Matt. She's missed this whole era. 
Yeah, like a whole generation. She disappeared before it all went to crap, I guess yeah. some people would say. I mean, she's still making stuff. We just have never yeah. seen it. Right. Um, it's never gotten allowed to have been Yeah, like finished. I said, she's, she hasn't shipped anything. But, like, we'll see. We don't even know the scale of this project, really. I mean, based upon the people she's hiring. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like, an artist can do what an artist does, but, like, you don't, you know, you can... You could hire the Assassin's Creed guy to make a mobile game if you want. Like, you can, yeah, art, but I don't think he'd too. take the project. He might. If, was the, if the money's doubtful. right. Depends what the money is. Yeah. Depends who you're working with. Like, if you got good money working for Jade, like, in a place, you know, in a haven like that, like, I might consider it might be a nice break. Did you see that um, Death Stranding only sold 5 million copies worldwide Mm-mm. on both platforms? Not tops. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> and so I'm wondering if... Sony, after their experience with Kojima and Death Stranding, is in starting to look at... And Sony also does not have any games with that recurring revenue stream. Mm-hmm. I mean, to its credit, it has really stayed away from microtransactions. It hasn't even got burned by them yet, like most publishers. Like, most pu- publishers tried to do it, got pushed back, and changed course, or just said, screw you, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, it doesn't really need them. Like, it's got a constant flow of AAA games coming out. Like, the, the more, most important thing to them seems to be... To uh, um, to you know get people to buy the consoles and to subscribe to PlayStation Plus or PlayStation Now and or uh, you know that's their const- that's their microtransaction that's their constant flow of, of of revenue is PlayStation Plus subscriptions plus you know selling games on their store like they yeah. don't need microtransactions they got micro they got macro transactions <laughs> I buy all my games from them you know right yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I wouldn't they wouldn't be all that interested in that. Um, well, it wouldn't surprise me if they actually went to Jade though and was like, "Look, this is a big hole for us. We don't have it yet. Um, maybe we they felt like she was the one who could do it properly without offending fans." Eh, There's a lot like, of goodwill with Jade Raymond too, to be honest with you. I mean, she could get away with some stuff that some other developers, I believe, wouldn't get away with. Maybe I mean I don't I think that reputation she has is with a very core audience. Yeah, for, uh, um, for sure. Yeah, but like I don't know. Like I don't I don't see the I don't see the the, the logic of that from Sony's perspective. Like they don't need it, and they know it's bad PR automatically. Pretty much, the, you, it's an uphill battle to convince someone in the core gaming world that game as a service is justified in some way. Um, I don't know. I just don't know where that's come where it's coming from or why you do that. Like what the deal is, and I don't know why Jade would do it. That's why no. I'm asking. Like it surprises me. Like that it feels her game, it, is it, game as a service. to me. It feels like that's over. It feels like it feels like the the rush to try to create a game as a service situation is over because of how many high profile ones have crashed and burned. Like yeah. between Avengers and Anthem, I wouldn't try that shit again for ten years. Well, like, I think it, uh, at this point, I think it's been established that a game as a service needs to be free to play. Yeah, at the very least. I think if you if you think you're going to sell a game as a service yeah. at full price, you're you have a tough road to toe. Like if you're going to yeah, if you're going to look at the stuff that seems to have really, you know, been successful, you're looking at uh Warframe, which again for Apex to, Legends, Apex Legends, Warzone. Uh I mean, Destiny to some degree, yeah. but Destiny provides a pretty robust amount of content for when you're paying for it yeah. and then like the the game as a service Almost stuff too is too much. Sort of, yeah. yeah, the game as a service stuff is sort of like extra. It really is a bonus in that franchise, yeah. yeah. I've never um, complained about the content that I've got from a Destiny game. No, and felt like I was not. ripped off when they did stuff later on. Um, and I would argue Assassin's Creed that way as well. Yeah, they've done a pretty good job with that stuff as far as not like nickel and diming fans and making what you buy on day one worth the money that you spent, stuff mm-hmm. like that. 
And I also think that's where people yeah, tend I mean, to rebel. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm on. I haven't even touched the DLC expansions on Valhalla, and I'm at like hour one seventy or something. The base campaign yet. Neither have I. Like, I still got like three <laughs> provinces to go, and I got to go to Vinland or something. Yeah. It's just like God, this doesn't stop. Like, I'll say this though: everything's so dry right now, and it's going to be really dry in August. Like, I may go back to Valhalla. I or, go back periodically, or Watch Dogs Legion in the next. Month. I tried to go back to Watch Dogs Legion, and I didn't. I didn't. You couldn't make do it. it. I didn't make it. Okay. Anyway. There's just not enough meat there. I, yeah. I can't. I, I like my my characters and my team, but like I'd rather. I do for all the repetitiveness of Valhalla. I do think the stories in each the, the core province stories, like the story arcs where she goes and gets the loyalty of that area. Like I find those stories interesting because they delve into some history. They delve into the sort of the politics of the time mm-hmm. and like the the conflicts between the Saxons and the Anglo-Saxons and the and the the Danes and the Norsemen and, and how like all that was you know how this how England at the time was sort of this weird melting pot slash land rush of people trying to establish like dominance and like especially because it's doubly interesting because we know how it all turns out right. So yeah. like they get to play with that a little bit. I think yeah. all that stuff is very interesting. Um, it's the side content that was disappointing to me. So like, I'm sort of still working my way slowly through all of that. <laughs> I have literally done everything on the map, like all the site, all the collectibles, all the the treasures, are all done. Like, all I have left to do is the main story, and it's just it just doesn't stop. There's it, always more to do. I've seen everyone complain about Valhalla's length. Yeah, but that's without the DLC. Yeah, I've t- I've not game. touched the DLC at all. It's like insane. I haven't, and they're they, still putting they put in the new like challenge mode thing now. Or there's another thing I to know. go around the the, the place like doing all these fights. And I like the you know, I like the combat system. I enjoy, it. but I just like can you it's just can you just slow down for a second? Like you talk I don't about need how a seventy hour game. I don't like, one hundred and seventy. I'm at one hundred and seventy hours. I need thirty five or forty hours. That's good. Yeah, that's plenty. And it's just like. With that, with this whole rumors about it, you know, no, even that's a lot. With the rumors about them continuing to support it, with no, you know, like no for the Assassin's Creed for like three or years or something. I'm just like, how much more can you possibly cram in this? It thing? It may take me that long just to finish the base campaign yeah. before without any DLC. So anyway, that's the latest on Jade Raymond's new studio and her next project. I think it'll probably make most people unhappy to hear that that's probably what. I she's mean, it's not on. encouraging. Yeah. Um, but, but I will say this: I do have faith in her. I saw some people in chat saying, "Like, is she all that?" What do you think about that? I mean, it's hard to say anymore because she hasn't put anything out in a long time. And when time. she did put out stuff that was really good, it was a different time. Yeah. So I can understand where you might question that. We'll see. Yeah, I'm still gonna look forward to whatever she does. Me too. Like, yep. It's uh, you know, she she's earned that. Yep. And I don't think I don't think her stuff has not come out because it was bad. It's not come out because she's working for people who manage things poorly. Yep, agreed. So um, I'm yeah. not going to blame her for that. But it, you're right. Like there is, there's enough of a time gap that you're sort of sitting there wondering how well has she kept, or or maybe sometimes not keeping up with the trends is the is the key. That's true. You know, like you can you can come up with something really cool <clears> if you're <throat> if you're if you're not letting yourself be influenced by what the the happening new thing is. Yep. One thing I'll say is she's moved home. So her new studio is in Montreal, yeah. where she's from. And that could tend to... She's in her place of power. Right. Yeah. Her yeah. happy place. So we'll see. Um, all right. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. It is a collection of two Ace Attorney games mm-hmm. that were released in Japan and never released here, right? Yep. For Switch and PC. Is that it? I think so, yeah. yeah it's, well, so, I have it on PS4. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's on PS4 as well. Yeah. 
What, is it on Xbox as well? I don't think so. Okay. So Xbox is the one that was left out in this case. I think so, yeah. Uh, and you've been playing it. I have not played it at all. I played it last night. It only went live at 9. Oh, okay. Because that is when games are supposed to go live, Flight Simulator. <laughs> right. What is your experience with past Ace Attorney games? Have uh, you played them all? Almost all. I've never played Spirit of Justice, which is the last 3DS one. Okay. But I played uh, the original four and Dual Destinies and the Miles Edgeworth Investigations game that came out here. The second one never came here. And the Layton crossover. Okay. So, yeah, I played a lot of Ace Attorney. How is this one stacking up so far? Uh, solid. Yeah. Like, it's good. Like, it's, it's uh, so far middle of the road, higher, above average, I would say, so far. You know, we'll see. You know, you know there's ten cases in it, you know, five per game. Um I play. I've only played the first case because the first, you know, usually in these games, the first case is sort of a tutorial. It sort of it kind of walks you through things, and that's true of this one. But the first case took me three hours. Whoa! Like I started at like ten thirty and I finished at one thirty. I was like, I gotta go to fucking sleep. Like <laughs> it was, it was a lot. It wasn't hard or anything. It's just you're reading all the text, and I there was someone with me also watching me play, so I was letting it scroll, you know, scroll out normally and then hitting continue. And so, so I wasn't dawdling. But I was letting the te- I wasn't like speeding through the text. I was letting it play out. Gotcha. Um, so doing that and not really getting stuck on much, um, it took three hours for okay. the first case. For people who have never played this series, what is the gameplay loop? How does it all play out? Uh, it is essentially a visual novel, um, and you're in court. And uh, does it start in court? Uh, you're starts, already in court. It starts right outside of court. Yeah, because uh, uh, you are being accused of murder. Okay. Um, and, so you uh, play from the perspective of the person who's being accused. No, you, you not... play from the perspective of a uh, of a um, a lawyer, right? A, a student. And they're lawyer. accusing you. But they're, as a lawyer. You are you are being accused of murder. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, as a lawyer, and that that there in the B roll, that's Sherlock Holmes. So eventually, you, you, it starts in Japan. Uh, shortly, it's a it's like an alternate universe Japan, where they have opened things up to the West in uh, I believe in the late nineteen hundred late eighteen hundreds. And um, there's a, they've signed a, a like a, an alliance with uh, Great Britain, the British Empire, and so there's like a quarter of like Tokyo that's like been built into sort of Little England, and so there's like Brit and the British are like teaching them about like um, about like court proceedings. So like you're sort of so the the trial is like one of the first major trials in Japan. I don't know any of if any of this is accurate Actually anyway <laughs> um there's also a th- like there's a character in the first trial who is like super racist against japanese people oh wow um because there is like sort of like a like a you know a british british people are superior person oh. and i'm like oh that was you 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 had some things to say it was, <laughs> it's 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 uh nasty really for, for that series like it, it went it went Pretty far, and of course, everyone's still trying to be like professional and polite about it. But everyone's just like, "Nah, just screw them. Like, just, yeah. get, just get out." Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, very on. Unpo- it's very funny. Also, like, there's like a lot- legitimately funny. Yeah, like, well written. Uh, yeah, well, it, th- these games have always been well written in English, and I believe they're also considered the same in Japanese. Um, the you know the facial reactions and the like the kind of the over dramatic stuff is still here, just like they were in the two D ones, except mm-hmm. they do them in three D now, and there's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, the the main character who is an ancestor of Phoenix Wright, um, he. Uh, <laughs> this is before Phoenix is even. Yeah, this is, this is like uh, this is a hundred and something years before. Yeah. So it's it's the it's the the late nine late eighteen hundreds. Um, so uh, as you can see, it's the yeah. time of Sherlock Holmes. And but there's a lot of ancestors of the characters from the main series in this. Um, sort of like what the Yakuza games did when they went back to like feudal Japan. Why do they call them Sholmes? 
uh, I think to not call him Sherlock Holmes. Like, is could you get sued for that still in this? Day no. Age? Well, the trick on the, the and this might be they might re- I, I haven't gotten to him yet, so they might reveal later that his name. They might call him Sherlock or something, but then reveal my. But I will say that the victim in the first murder case is a guy named Dr. John Wilson who bears a striking resemblance to Watson. Uh, I don't know if that's what's happening there, but right. it was something going on there. Uh, the trick on the Sherlock Holmes stuff is the stories are controlled by the Arthur Conan Doyle estate. The characters are public domain. Okay. So you can use Sherlock Holmes and the Sherlock Holmes characters in original stories as much as you want, but if you want to like retell Hound of the Baskervilles or Study in Scarlet, you have to you have to license, license that. It. Okay. And one of the um, one of the cases in this game is is named after the Baskervilles. So I don't know if that means they license them or if just using the word Baskerville is okay. Enough. But as long as yeah. the story isn't the same as the Hounds of the Bas- Hound of the Baskervilles, it's okay. So I don't know the intricacies of that. But there is definitely Sherlock Holmes stuff in this thing. Okay. Um, in fact, you can you, there's an alternate outfit you can pick for Sherlock Holmes that turns him in, puts him in like traditional Japanese robes. And I looked at it for five seconds, like nope. You're putting him back, putting him back in the trench coat. That's very <laughs> weird looking. He's got a fox mask on. I don't need that. So how does it work? Um, you're so you basically you're reading a lot of text. Yep. And uh, the 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 absolute base gameplay of Phoenix Wright is you are interviewing you know, witnesses testify, and then you get to cro- you are always the defense, uh, and then you uh, so the prosecution will have the witness sit stand up there and say the things that the prosecution wants them to say, and then you get to cross-examine them. And when you cross-examine them, you get to go through their statement, you know, text window by text box, you know, each one, and you're looking for a lie or a contradiction because as you get evidence and you can, you know, in the main cases, you can search the crime scene and find stuff, find fingerprint, bloods, you know, all that kind of forensic stuff. And so that goes in the evidence pile mm-hmm. and like you can look at that and look at your descriptions of the people involved at any time during you look at the court record it's called and so basically you look through the 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 witnesses statements and find something in their statements that something you have in evidence contradicts okay and so you catch them in a contradiction and then you present that evidence and if you're correct it progresses the story if it's not correct the court penalizes you and you usually have between 3 and 5 penalization points and if you run out of penalization points you lose the case and the game's over and you have to start over okay so and that's the, that's the abs- case for a while would you have to go back and start that whole case over uh then? no there are there are save points okay. manual save points and this game does have auto save points so okay. usually used to be back in the old days yeah you could you, if you didn't save often like, you could have to redo you that's what i remembered in the old yeah. days the, i haven't played one of these in literally since maybe the ds yeah the originals were gba games and then they got ported they ported to the ds and that's when they came to america yeah Around 2005, because the first Phoenix Wright game, which was actually called, uh, was it Yucatan Saiban, which means turnabout courtroom. Yeah. Um, I might be saying that wrong, but um, that came out in 2001 for the GBA. And then the the DS version, so I went over this with with my friend who was there watching me play because she likes these too. But I was like, um, so because... I first played them on the DS because when they put the DS versions out in Japan, they included the English version on them. Mm. So when that came, and I remember that because that came out, the first one came out on DS. You could also in, play Japanese DS games on a US. Yeah, there were DS. no, yeah, there was, there was no, no region uh, lock. So, yeah. there, so that came out in September 2005, and it wasn't coming out in America till like late October, and we were in 
Japan yeah. uh, at the time. Yep. And I was excited to play it because I knew about them and I just never got to play them because they're all in Japanese and I can't read that. So I'm like, when I found out that the Japanese version of it was not region locked and had the English in it, I bought that in Japan. So the mm-hmm. first time I played this was the Japanese version. I was too impatient to wait for the English version that came out a month and a half later, uh, which I still have sealed on my shelf because wow. I never, because oh, I, I didn't want to go through the whole thing again because right. they're long. Yeah. Uh, but on those original ones, you could only save between days. Gotcha. Of the court, of so the, you'd have to start. So you'd have to go through the whole morning, hearing, all, okay? Uh, the whole day of stuff again. To if you completely screwed up. Luckily, it was very hard to screw up that bad. Like they're not the the downside. And this game actually does have this still. The problem with these games that it's I have just always process had, of elimination, right? Yeah, but the, my problem with it is always been a lot of times in these games, especially if you get ahead of the story, if you get ahead of what the case is, mm-hmm. you can figure out what you need to prove something, but the game wants you to prove it step by step. And so you'll present this thing that you think is, this is what proves that this is what's happening, but it really wants you to prove this part, then this part, then present the thing you thought was like the clincher because the clincher has to be built up to. And sometimes it's very unclear what is the evidence that actually what says what you the, want to say? Like, you know gotcha. exactly what you want to say, but you don't know which piece in the inventory is going to it. say that to the game. Gotcha. Uh, that is a constant communication issue that these games have always had. In and my this opinion. one has it as and well. And this one has it as well. There are a couple points where I'm like, "Who? okay, you want me to present the thing that proves this. It's this because I know that this tells me this. And this establishes that you need this to be that. And it turned out what they wanted me to do was to present the thing that told me that this thing told me that this thing is why this is true. Right. So it you was gotta like, follow the chain. So in the, instead of presenting the thing that I knew was like, this is what, it, what, what the key is. This is the clincher. This is the key. This yeah. is the key to the case. They wanted me to say, okay, this gives me this little bit of information, and this, ge- and then like go through that scene, uh-huh. and then this gives me this bit of information that gives me that this scene. This is very rigid. And now I can give you this. So, so it's not using logic or anything like that. It's just like it's programmed to say this needs to be done in this very specific yeah. order. And if you don't do that, you fail. Yeah, there is a lot. It definitely, they are logic puzzles, but you have to kind of get in tune with how it's unfolding them. You gotcha. know? Um, and some, if you if your mind works like faster than the game, sometimes you can sort of trip yourself up on that, and it can be frustrating. That's my main that's my main criticism of all the Ace Attorney games. Um, you and get this used. This one to, is not immune to it. This one, de- no, that's when this one happened a couple times to me in the. I and mean, granted, part of it was because it was one in the morning. I was getting tired and like wasn't you know thinking. The, I, I needed to think more like the game, and I was thinking more like myself, and so that's partly on me. Yeah. Uh, but also like I wanted to finish the case before I. You know, went to bed and came in and talked about it today. Yeah, um, I did enjoy it a lot. I, you know, I, I'm going to keep playing it. I, I How re- much is it selling for? It is two games in one. Um, I want to say it was forty or fifty. It wasn't. I don't think it was full. Forty price. seems fair. Let me check. I think it was thirty nine ninety nine on PlayStation Network. And do you know how many cases there are in each game? Five in each. Okay, There's always five so in each. If the cases are all roughly the same. You're looking at ten to fifteen hours. Yeah, of you're play. looking. I mean, and, and the cases always get bigger as yeah. you go forward. So I'm guessing these are fifteen to twenty hour games each. So you're looking yeah. probably forty hours. Forty of, of content. bucks for that much play. That's pretty. If good. you like them, that's yeah. a good deal. Yeah, um, and I do like I do like these a lot, um, despite how frustrating they can be. But, um, <laughs> they're not that hard no. though. No, they're not hard. It's just like it's trial and error. Yeah, you're, it's trial and error. You're figuring out what the game wants you. And to I do love you know he's he's a lot of fun. Um, uh, like there's a lot of uh, very dramatic stuff. If you don't like anime 
melodrama, you're probably going to be annoyed by this yeah. a fair amount. I think people but, know um, that about the series. Like Rinosuke, he's he's brand new, and so some like early on in the case when he wants to say something, he'll just like put his hand up and like look around nervously <laughs> and until like someone calls school. on. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he is. He's a he's a student. Right. He's a cadet. Yeah, and like it's very funny. Like it, like it's, it's it's all very well written and very funny. And some of it gets a little repetitive, but like. At a certain point, you're just like, get on, just say it, just say what you want to do. Like, <laughs> we all know what's happening. Well, the one- and, the, and the and the main game. So a lot of the games uh, have kind of created like a new gimmick as they move forward. You know, because so it's not just the base game. It's like, yeah. Uh, Games the original trilogy established like psyche locks where you had to sort of like they put like big locks on the truth of, in front of a guy so you had to like figure out the things that would break his lock so he'd finally tell you the truth. Um, there was like a lot of the dual destinies had something where like you kind of had to go back and forth between the different cases. Yeah, I remember that. So yeah. this one's gimmick seems to be um, that uh, you can have multiple witnesses on a stand and testifying at the same time. And the thing you have to watch is when one when one witness is testifying something, you can see one of the other witnesses react to it. And if you see that, you can switch your cross examination over to the other witness and say, "Wait, what? Why did you react to that oh, that way?" That's interesting. So that's like sort that. of the that's sort of the, the the main gimmick so far. And there's other stuff that Sherlock Holmes does, and so it becomes in terms of investigation. But in terms of the courtroom stuff, that's the change up on this one is. At one point, I had five witnesses on the stand wow. at once, and it was just like everyone was contradicting each other. So okay, well, that seems like more than just a little twist. Then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so and the setting's really cool too. Like this is set in imperial, you know, like imperial end of you know major maybe Meiji Restoration era. I don't know, uh, but it's like you know 1800s Japan sort of opening itself out up to the outside world for the first time, and then like that's your friend Kazuma who's going to uh, the next day. He's supposed to basically go to England. And study there because he's their star student, and I mm-hmm. assume uh, somehow they're going to end up taking me with them, right? Um, and we're gonna, you know, go and run a trip, b- go do English law <laughs> in Britain, and meet Sherlock Holmes and solve the Jack the Ripper murder or something. Because you know, yeah. that, what else are you doing in England? Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so you are going to end up in in England at some point, uh, and that seems cool because I, you know, it's it's fun to see this this series sort of break out of its. It's although there is the weird thing about um, the original three or f- the original four games when they were they were localized claim to take place in Los Angeles, which is clearly not the case. Yeah, yeah. Like they are very very Japanese, and yeah. even yeah, and they didn't change a lot of visual stuff. So even like though like like Maya's favorite food is hamburgers. They're eating sushi, right? Like it's you know it, it's very and and there's a fa- very there's a very f- funny uh, web comic about that where it's like uh, you know like Phoenix is in like a kimono and he's just like ah San, you know, Los Angeles it's so good to be here in the in the in Southern California it's like just like Mount Fuji is in the background <laughs> and, and he, everything's like just pagodas everywhere and he's like and he's and at the end like Apollo like won't like go with it he's, he's like that's Japan not town. that's not what this is and 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 it's just like come sit around the uh, you know come sit around the traditional American fukusetsu and have your have some cheeseburgers and like they're eating like they're sushi. eating sushi with like <laughs> chopsticks <laughs> and Apollo's just like mm, and he goes eat your hamburgers Apollo <laughs> it's it's very threatening about it um, and we, so we looked that up last night because I was, I said that to my friend and she's like what like that doesn't I played those that, I don't remember that I'm like no they were supposed to be in Los Angeles and we looked it up and apparently the localization person she she 
Her idea was that it took place in an alternate universe where there was no like anti uh, Japanese. Oh, the alternate universe. There was no anti Japanese racism in America. So like instead of like concentrate, you know, putting them in camps and stuff during World War II, instead there was like a, a big meshing of cultures. So there's a so California is now actually all of a sudden sushi California. Is yeah, California is like really Asian <laughs> and, and has a lot of Asian architecture influence, and that's oh, why boy. that's why everything looks like that. It's like just that's, just say just it's in Tokyo. Honest. Like yeah, come on, honest. like yeah. It, so, but so there's a lot of weirdness in that. But I, I really do love the series, and I think it's very funny. Some of the best like text writing and localization around, in it's certainly from Capcom. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, at uh, its heart, it's a puzzle adventure. Yeah. 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 It's a visual novel with it's puzzles. It's just that the court case is the construct that they yeah. use to create the. Yeah. The and it's a compelling one. Like, like yeah. fig- piecing all this stuff together and how you know, it, it, you know, th- there's a reason it's called Turnabout Courtroom in Japan. Like, it's just constant twists. Like, yeah. there's like, oh, this person actually wasn't doing that, and this person is the killer, and it has to be the killer. But no, then you find something that's like, oh no, they aren't the killer. Who is the killer? The killer is the person who set you on the case in the first place. Like, yeah. you know, there's tons of things that just go around and around and around, and you never quite know how. And you can sit there and sort of predict how it's going to happen. And sometimes you get it, and sometimes you're just like, oh, I didn't see that coming at all. And that's sort of the fun of it is like, yeah. like it's just predictable enough and cliched enough in places that you know where they're going, and then suddenly they'll take that cliche and turn it on its head. Yep. And that's a lot of fun. Did you figure out if it was 40 bucks? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> um, I, am I just 90, distracted you. I am 90% sure it is uh, 39.99. Okay. Um, and would you recommend it at that price? Yeah. I'm, I mean, if you like, especially if you like uh, – uh, that game. I used to have a keychain. If you like for these years, games, it just had the objection, yeah. like the red splash objection on it. Yeah. If you like these games, this is more. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, yeah, thirty nine thirty nine ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. And for, I think that's a fair price. Yeah. For, especially for the amount of time you said yeah, that you get to two, play. It's two games. They've never come here before. I think the first one was from twenty fifteen. Second one's from twenty seventeen, and they both you know have a lot of have a ton of content. I mean, it looks like if the if the tutorial's three hours, because normally the tutorial cases. Have been like an hour. You know, yeah. they're, they're a quick sort of intro to how this works. This thing went on for a while and had a pretty some pretty good twists and turns in it. So okay. I'm happy. I'm happy with it already so far. Awesome. Okay, so there you go. That's the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. It appears to be available for everything but Xbox. Yeah, I think it's uh, PC, Nintendo, and PC, Switch, and PS4 definitely. Good handheld game too. Yeah, that's where the franchise yeah. was birthed. So. Yeah, well, actually, because this is the first one I've played on a non. On like a Hand- non-handheld, yeah. it's weird to play yeah. it on a TV because because uh-huh. all the sounds are pretty much the same. A lot of you know, it's, it <laughs> looks better, like but it's all that you know, the, the sound of the text like, like yeah. that, and like when like things happen, like the dramatic things happen, it's that same sort of like whoosh, whoosh, like, like right, that stuff. Right. Like none of that's different, and like, <laughs> but there's a lot of. It's nice to see it in 3D, and there's a lot of nice. I and mean, I know they've done the like the Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice also had 3D models, so it's not super new. But there's a lot of fun things like character stuff, or like. You know, like Phoenix does the thing where he goes like that, yeah. like when he's got a point to make. Yeah. Like Ryunosuke, um, he like he's new, so he's not used to. It. So when he does that early on, he starts. He goes like that, and then he looks at his hands, like he, <laughs> to see if he like did it right. So they're playing on it. Yeah. And yeah. then like later in the case, when he gets more confident, he does it for real. He's like, and it's like it's, got it's, it. And now. like they're telling like a pretty cool sort of character development story just with the animations that awesome. way, which is nice. Okay. Cool. So. There you go. That's a great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Forty bucks. Matt says. Go out and get it if you're into those type of games, which would be puzzle adventures, really. Yeah. Okay. And if you played the, you know, if you played the other Phoenix Wrights, you know if you like this or not, and yeah. it's just as, it's it's on par with the other ones, I think easily. I'm, I'm pretty pleased with it, and I'm eager to see how the Sherlock Holmes integration works. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't get far enough to do that, and it seems seems from the B roll that there's like more intricate stuff that you have to do with investigating with Sherlock. So we'll see. Yeah. But. 
All right, it's time to move on to a game that I played the most this week, and I never dreamed that that would be the case. Hmm. The game is called Pokemon Unite. It is a free-to-play MOBA available exclusively for Switch. A.K.A. P.U. (laughs) You might be surprised. Hmm. I'm telling you. Um, So not only did I play this, but Vincent was also playing it. And so usually when we do a segment with Vincent... He's the only person who's played the game, and I'm just basically interviewing him, trying to get all the information out of him. This is the first time we have a segment with Vincent where I also played the game, and it's actually a back-and-forth discussion. So here you go. Here's our discussion on Pokemon Unite. All right, everyone, here I am with Vincent Borchart. Now, usually when we do a segment with Vincent on Game Face, he has played the game, and neither Matt nor I have played it. But this game is an exception. It's Pokemon Unite. It is a free-to-play MOBA that is available right now on Switch, completely free of charge. Both of us have played it. Um, And I think another thing, Vincent, that's going to make this discussion interesting is that I have been a hardcore MOBA player for years and years. I did just recently give up League of Legends. I haven't played it now for five months, I think, at this point. Um, But I played it for years and years. I have played thousands of matches. I have played hundreds of hours of Dota 2 at this point. And while you're not a complete noob to MOBAs, um, they're not something that you play consistently, right? Right. I haven't played a MOBA in a while. Like I played League a long while ago. Like, I still even follow it. I still watch the, some of the esports. Even. Oh, you do? Interesting. Yeah. I played some Heroes of the Storm. But most relevant for this is that I played and even did Moonbell back in the day for Arena of Valor, which was kind of like the prototype of what this has become. It's basically League of Legends, but using the same kind of buttons and stick controls that we have for Switch, which we'll get into. Yeah, and that's another thing about MOBAs is that there's a reason that they thrive on PC. And that's because you need a lot of controller inputs, a lot of buttons to do a lot of the things that you do in a game like League of Legends or Heroes of the Storm or Dota. And obviously, a console controller has just a fraction of the buttons available on PC, and that could present some problems. Let's see, where should we start, Vincent? Let's let's talk about comparing, because a lot of people do play League or some of the other games we mentioned. Let's talk about what it's like to play Pokemon Unite versus playing one of those more robust PC MOBAs. What strikes you first about Pokemon Unite in that regard? Extremely fast. So short games. That is the biggest thing. Yeah, so every game is 10 minutes, 10 minutes max. And that is a huge departure from most MOBAs. So League of Legends, if you're not aware, you can't even surrender in League of Legends until you've hit the 20-minute mark. Now, if somebody drops on your team before the match starts, you can do an early surrender in League of Legends, but, like, everyone has to agree to it. And most people just seem to be asleep at the wheel and don't do it. So generally, if you end up starting a game and one of your teammates just quits right away, you have to play for 20 minutes before you can quit just to quit. And then if you play most League of Legends games all the way to the end, and it's a good game where everybody kind of reaches the max level, those games can last 45 minutes to an hour. Not the case here with Pokemon Unite. 10 minute max. Every time the games last 10 minutes. And you're right. It is a a much smaller commitment. Um, I'm not sure 
if I like that though, Vincent, because one thing I do like about League of Legends is when you get into the late game, everything kind of changes because every champ on your side and on the other side will eventually hit that max level. And when that happens, those champs get another set of abilities or buffs that make them even more powerful. And some champs completely transform once they hit level cap and can become a monster. So you may have like a champ in League of Legends that suffers in the early game, but once you everyone gets to that max level, they suddenly dominate. And that's that ebb and flow really isn't present in Pokemon Unite. It is kind of a little, because each, each Pokemon has a different growth curve. They get their their upgraded moves at different times. They evolve at different times. Yeah. But it's all compressed a lot. Yeah. And I will say this. Um, I do like how quickly you gain your new abilities or your upgraded abilities in Pokemon Unite. Um, and League of Legends and Dota, they do the same thing. Like, each character has a different arc. Um, some will get a new move very early. Some, it takes a while for that to happen. Um so I do, I think there's pros and cons to the way Pokemon Unite handles its match length, but I think for the most part, it's for the good. Because uh, I think 20, 30, 40, 60 minute commitments are tough for a lot of people. Although I'll say it's better when you're sitting on a couch instead of a computer chair, um, yeah. which is an advantage for Pokemon Unite for sure. Uh, but I think a lot of people are intimidated by that idea with MOBAs. And I think to a large extent, the complexity of MOBAs. Like if you watch like you do, League of Legends esports, even as a huge League of Legends player, I can get lost watching those. So I could see where a lot of people may watch a match or two of League esports and be like, oh my gosh, that's like way too much. And again, that is one area where I feel like Pokemon Unite definitely excels. Yeah. And then it's understandable. Yeah. And then, you know, just the character familiarity. The, all the champs that you play in Pokemon Unite are Pokemon. And I'm not familiar with all of them, even though I've only unlocked, yeah. it seems like, 10 maybe at this point. Um, I'm not familiar with all of them still. And so it also is a little bit of a learning thing where you're like, oh, I didn't really know this Pokemon, but you learn very quickly kind of what their abilities are, um, what their alignment is, what other Pokemon they're effective against, and things like that. So it can also be kind of a fun learning tool if you're just a Pokemon fan in general. Yeah, the like the one that I really didn't know at first was that stupid cat. <laughs> the stupid the one that what? Gave everyone, the one that gave everyone zero aura. I think that's Gen Eight. And that's where I didn't realize it. Is that but, the the yellow color? Yeah, that, that is my main. Every, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is my main because he's OP as crap. But that's we'll get to that. <laughs> well, a lot of it depends, I guess, on who's playing with you. So, like most mobas, you start out everyone's at level zero. And again, like most MOBAs, there are what are called minions or creeps just located all around the map. And so far, there's only one map for Pokemon Unite to play on. But one main map. There's actually a couple more in the quick battle that yeah. have like faster things. But it makes sense. I mean, I play League of Legends. I played it for years and only played one map because mm -hmm. it's like it's like a sport. It's like you don't change the size of an NFL field with each game. It's always 100 yards long, well, 120 yards if you include the end mm -hmm. zones. So 120 yards long and then 50 yards wide. It's always that way. The field's always the same. And that's kind of the thing that they do with MOBAs. Um, but there are creeps, our minions located around the map, and everyone starts at zero. And what's been a big key for me is finding a champ that can 
grind through the minions really quickly early game. If you can find a champ that does that, I mean, I found myself my champ at like level five or level six while everyone else is still at level three. And then I just take off and just dominate a match. Mm -hmm. So it's really important early game to make sure, and it's a race. So everybody leaves where you start and it's a race to kill those initial minions to get the XP that you need to level up. And so I found the champ, the one I just talked about, that can just saw through those early minions and nobody has a chance to last hit and get like the points that you used to score from the last hits. And I can build my character very quickly and just start dominating the game from the first like two or three minutes of the game. I mean, then you start seeing the other teams running from you, which is very exciting. <laughs> they see you coming and they're like, oh crap, they'll run back. Um, so that part of the game is very similar to every, every other MOBA. You can build your character, not just by killing other champs on the other team, but also by farming minions or creeps, whatever you want to call them, depending on the game you're most familiar with. I um, mean, there's a strategy to that, like knowing when to retreat from finding a champ and run into the jungle, which is the area between the lanes to farm the creeps or the minions. There's, there's certainly a strategy and you can get good at the game, even if you're not, or have a good match even, even if you're not consistently killing champs on the other team. Um, and so I feel like they've managed that element of MOBAs pretty well. Um, compared to other MOBAs that I've played. And then there are some parts of this game that I feel like have handled things better than other MOBAs I've played. For instance, when you get to a certain part of each map, there are jump pads that appear. And instead of having to run from the base all the way out to the middle or the end of the lane so you can get into the confrontation with the other team, you can jump pretty much to the middle of the map and get back into the fray very quickly. That is a part of League of Legends that is annoying to me still to this day. No matter how far you get into a match, if you die or go back to base, you still have to walk all the way back to the center of the lane to get back into the action. So I like that. And I feel like it was a necessity, probably. If you're gonna do 10 minute matches, you need to get the champs back into the fight as quickly as possible. So you're not burning a ton of time just walking um, from where you start out to where the action is happening. So I like that about it too. And I, that is something that I would not mind seeing in every other MOBA on the market. Was that the case with the other MOBA that you played? I'm trying to think. Like, here's the storm. Like, some of the maps have ways to get to, like, the center quickly. No, I'm talking about map. the other console MOBA that you played. Uh, Arena of Valor. Arena of Valor is basically League of Legends. Like, the map is like a near clone. Okay. Yeah. The characters are pretty much are similar clones. Yeah. Like so it sounds like this is something unique to Pokemon. Yes, Unite. very nice. And I like that. I think it's a great feature and a great idea. Um and then there's the combat. Now I will say this the combat I have struggled to come to grips with it in a lot of cases. Um and some of it was just me not learning everything about it. I feel like the game doesn't do a great job of teaching you everything you need to know. For instance, I, so the my main has this like dash that he can do. And in League of Legends, if you want, every champ can have it. It's called Flash in League of Legends. And yeah. for the record, every person who plays it does equip mm -hmm. Flash because it's an easy way to escape getting your butt beat and get back to a safe zone where you can avoid dying, essentially. So the character that I use has this feature by default when it starts. However, as that ability levels up, 
it changes so that you have to choose the direction of the dash with the right analog stick. And honestly, I would just prefer to keep it the way it is when you first start, which is whatever direction you're facing is the direction that you dash. It makes it very easy to just turn away from the enemy and then tap the shoulder button and dash away. But as it quote unquote evolves or upgrades, which I would argue it isn't an upgrade, it does become more powerful because it's also an attack, but you have to physically choose the direction that you want to dash. Otherwise, it's going to do the opposite. And it's going to dash you right back into the fight where you die. And there are times where that still yeah. happens to me. Even though I know that I'm supposed to hold the direction, sometimes it's just not responsive enough, and I tap the shoulder button to dash, and my character dashes right back into the fight, and I die. Um, yeah, that's one of the things you have to get used to, just knowing how to use the right analog stick. That's part of why all the, the abilities are on the shoulder buttons. You can yeah. do that at the same time. And yep. also, one clarification, there is actually a flash analog in the battle items. It's I have not found the, that yet. It's called the eject button. If you use that instead of your potion or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Pushing the Y button. Yeah, so we should get some context to that as well. Th this game is insane, by the way, Vincent, yeah. because there is so much stuff just constantly unlocking there's like five different places where just playing the game, there's all these challenges and yes. achievements. You don't even know you're accomplishing them while you play the game. <laughs> and then when you finish, there are like five different menus that you have to go to to claim stuff. And that happens like almost every match, but normally like once every two matches, there's stuff worth going back and claiming. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, people who like that, that, uh, serotonin hit of achieving stuff are going to love that it got really annoying to me like i would prefer if there was just a button on the main menu that just says claim all because why wouldn't you claim something you understand what i'm saying like because they want want you to not know it's there and because they want you to spend more time doing it i guess if you don't know that something exists that means you might not get it and then they can charge you for it later <laughs> um and that is Obviously, with any free-to-play game, it's very tricky in how the game gives you stuff for free, the rate it gives you stuff for free, and what kind of stuff they're asking you to pay for. Now, I will say this. For the most part, this game handles free-to-play great. Um, like I said, there's always stuff unlocking, whether it's costumes, costumes or whether it's new Pokemon to play as. And I'll say this, too. I had no idea when the game started. When I selected the, uh, my Pokemon license... I thought that was just my avatar. I was like, oh, this is the character that's going to be in my avatar while I play. No, it was my first Pokemon. They don't make it clear that the license is actually unlocking your first playable character. So I ended up like unlocking like slow bro because I thought he just looks cool. And I was like, if that's going to be my avatar, I'll choose slow bro. Then I realized, no, that's now my starting character that I have to play with. <laughs> the messaging in the game can get a little confusing, which is why I would prefer to just have one button on the home screen that says claim all. And you could still leave the other menus if people wanted to hunt around in them. And there's even that button on some of those menus. So if you'll go into yeah. the separate menu, there is a claim all button. But there should be a claim all button on the home screen that claims everything from all those menus. So generally, I think it's handling the unlocks and the free-to-play stuff pretty well. However, yeah. there there is an element kind of of pay to win. And that is in the item enhancers. So you can hold up to three items, your Pokemon can hold up to three items at a time. And they're all like buffs. Like they'll increase your, 
the damage output of your special. Some of them gradually build back your hit points if you're out of combat. They're all stuff like that. But you can yeah, also you play the League of Legends. They're basically like the old version of runes where you had the yeah. you just get minor stat enhancements. But each one has like a, a they give you stats and they each have a special ability that they have. Yep. And that's how they work in this. However, you can also upgrade those um, enhancers. And they use, like, item enhancer points or whatever. And you do earn a lot of them just through playing the game. But you can also pay for those points and basically just boost the ones you want to use up to 20 instantly. Um, Now, I will say this. Personally, I have not seen a huge impact of those things while playing. Like, I have, like, had an item... That was at level one or level zero, whatever they start at. And I spent all my points to upgrade that one to tw- to level 20, the max, just to see what kind of an impact it made. It was very hard for me to see the difference. Do you have the same experience, Vincent? I think it's a little more impactful. It might You might have been more efficient if you upgraded three things to level 10. Okay. But one of the other parts is that if you want to run multiple Pokemon, like if someone wants to take your main you have to do something else mm-hmm. you might need a different set of held items you want to get to 10 or 20 or even there's actually they go all the way up to 30 and they keep getting more and more expensive for each level yeah, yeah. it's already to the point for me with some of them that i'm done like they got so expensive i'm like there's i'm one i'm not going to pay to play the game i'm not going to okay. put real money out to buy the points so i'm at the point now where like for my main i have three items and they're leveled up pretty much as far as i'm going to level them Be- to your point because sometimes you cannot play as your main. Like other MOBAs, you can only have one of each character on each team. So if somebody's quicker on the draw or their network's a little faster and they're able to select your main before you're able to, you have to play with another character. So you do need to level up some of the other item enhancers or some of the other uh, enhancers uh, so that they work particularly with the other character that you're playing as, because it's not one size fits all. I think there are what, five different character types. Is that right? Yeah. The all arounder, the attacker, the defender, the support and the speedster. And the speedster. Yeah. Yeah. And speedster is my main. <laughs> Mine too, but I'm playing Talonflame and put his air car. Okay. Or, and yeah. then another thing that's interesting about speed in this game is the farther away you get from your home base, the slower your character moves. And that's something that I've never really seen in another in another MOBA either. Um, and I'm not sure why they've included that feature in the game. I'm guessing it's to mitigate the snowball factor of MOBAs. And that is something that this game has that other MOBAs have that I do not like about MOBAs, but it's present here. And that is once you get to a certain point, you kind of reach this hilt with your character building where they become so powerful that you just become a snowball rolling downhill and you just dominate the game. Some people like that. People who are capable of becoming that snowball every game, they love it. But, and you may find that with your main, you're able to do it. But if you're forced to play as a character and not your main, it can become very frustrating because if the other, if the other team has become far more powerful than your team, it's over. (laughs) It's like, not really, actually. You don't think? The problem is that, like, there are way too many things of where you get to the last two minutes where all the points you score from the goals are doubled. Yeah. And then you win a team fight. Which I feel like can be kind of cheap at times, to be honest with you. And then you combine that with 
there's the big Zapdos spawns at the in the middle of the map at the final two minutes. It's basically like a Baron or that big one team thing. Yep. And yeah, what they're, it does is, they're basically just big creatures that if your team takes them down, it gives you team wide buffs. Yeah. So if you take that down, you get some points. But more importantly, the the goals become weaker. So you, you normally when you're trying to score a goal, you have to wait a couple seconds. But if there's Zapdos is affecting the goals, you can do it instantly. Yeah, there's no defenses so, on their scoring. And we actually haven't even explained how the scoring works in yeah. this game. We should have mentioned that off the top. How you win the game is by scoring more points than the other team. And how you get points is you can kill either the minions or the creeps or the other team, and these little orbs drop. And you need to pick up the orbs, and you need to take them to the other team's hoop for a lack of a better explanation. It's almost like basketball. Like you get mm -hmm. to their little pad and there's a big hoop or halo that hovers above it and you dunk the points into the basket and that's how you score points. And then when the time runs out after 10 minutes, the team with the most points wins the game. So we probably shouldn't have explained that off the top. Yeah. And that's also a lot different from other MOBAs where the objective is to get to the other team's base and destroy it. And that's generally how you win. So. Um, the points-based thing, I mostly like it, except for, as you mentioned, in the last couple minutes of the game, you can dunk like 10 points, but they actually multiply and they dunk a lot more. So if you're kicking another team's butt and they just happen to do well in the last couple minutes of the game, they can sneak in and win the game when I think, in all honesty, they do not deserve to win the game. How has that played out for you? That sometimes happens. Yeah. it's The problem is that when you're playing with randoms, it's hard to coordinate everyone around Zapdos. Mm -hmm. So if you're facing a team that can actually do that, or if you have like one person who tries to go check on the Zapdos and then meet three of them and they die. And yeah. Yeah. My biggest complaint really about this game is the lack of communication, not being able to message things to your team. So you mentioned like, okay, Zapdos is here. And there's also the guys that appear in the, the actual lanes and not in the jungle. Yeah. Um, that, are, that serve the same purpose. It's very hard to get people to come and help you there, even though there are kind of commands to ask for help. Um, yeah. If you are getting overwhelmed in your lane, say it's like three on two in your lane and you have like a three on whatever advantage in the other lane, it's very hard to get your teammates to leave that lane to come down and help. Even though, again, there is like a ping that you can send that says, hey, I need help. People just ignore it for whatever reason. But my bigger complaint is the inability to manually ping things. So um, there are bushes in this game, just like there are in other MOBAs. And basically what bushes do in MOBAs is they hide you. So when you're in the bush, people do not know that you're there. And it can be one of the smartest things you can do is go into a bush and just sit there and wait for the other team to come by. They don't know you're there. They start fighting the minions or they start fighting someone else. And you wait until their health is almost at zero. You jump out of the bush and you're like, surprise! And you kill them take their, their orbs and go score the orbs. But you cannot signal to teammates that the enemy team is in the bush. So you may see that someone went in the bush and you know they're there, but there's no way to communicate that to your teammates. So you have to just sit there and helplessly watch your teammates get set up and get ganked basically by someone out of the bush. And there just yeah. aren't enough communication things in the game in general. There's a very simple menu of commands that you can send to your team and they're very simple like i need help or yeah. i'm gonna go top lane or i'm gonna go bottom lane but other than that there's just not enough communication i feel like 
in this compared to other MOBAs. And again, you're going to have to make sacrifices when you play it on a controller, so I totally get it. I'm just trying to explain the game as in-depthly as I can for people who have played the genre before. Yeah. Like, um, I keep looking for a simple danger one. Like, they have the fist to fight and the mm -hmm. plague to retreat and the skill to defend. I just want, like, an exclamation point to, for danger. Yeah. Stay away from the bush. They're in there or whatever. Yeah. There. I wish there was more communication options available. But I don't want to pick this thing apart, Vincent, because I really like it. I have yeah. really enjoyed playing this. I've been playing it for, like, three or four days now. And... If I have free time, as Vincent said, matches are only 10 minutes. They're not a huge commitment. You can jump in and jump out. I cannot say that I've ever played just one match, ever. Like, I've never played one and been like, I'm done. As soon as I finish one, I'm like, oh, I want to play again. And the matchmaking, really fast. Like, almost instantaneous. Like, you, you click the button to start a match, and literally within a second, everyone's in there. And you have to ready up. And the loading into the game takes a little longer than I would expect for a system that uses flash memory instead of a disk drive. Um, but still, just finishing a match, getting to the next one, it literally pre takes probably less than two minutes. And just having this pre-existing connection with the characters is a big deal, or not excel at. Um, and the attacks, like, I wish there were more. I wish there were more customization. I wish there was like a deeper rune system like there is in League of Legends so you can customize your characters a little bit more than you get here. But again, this is a console game. Yeah, I definitely recommend it too. It just, it's fitting that goal of being a competitive thing with a mobile that doesn't take much time and still mm -hmm. has good and good ideas. One thing I want to mention before we go, the worst element of this game is the sound. Oh, <laughs> My gosh. Vincent. What a goal! <laughs> Not even that. It's just the sound effects for anything that happens are so terrible. Even just navigating the menus, like the sound effects that they use when you confirm something or when you go back, they're just all so bad. Um, but anyway, there you go. That's Pokemon Unite. Again, free to play on Switch. You can download it for free. Not a big file. And that's two thumbs up from Vincent and I. Vincent, thanks for taking uh, the time to play it and uh, taking the time to talk with me about it. Yeah, thank you, too. And there you go. That's Pokemon Unite, Matt. One of my pleasant surprises of hmm. 2021 so far. Wow. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Didn't see that coming. I've been playing the crap What's out next, of What's next? That Witcher mobile game is good? What? What's, I have not tried that yet. Not I. It's launched, though. Um, I have been playing the crap out of this game, and part of it is that there just wasn't much to play this week, and mm -hmm. I needed something to, to play for the show. I figured I would download this and play, like, five matches. And, you know, I'm a big League player. I played League for years. Got off it five months ago. Um, and I thought I'd play, like, five matches, say, this is stupid, it's too simple, and not play it again. And I get, ended up getting hooked. And I have been playing it a lot. Um, I do think... That part of it may be that subconsciously it is satisfying my withdrawal from League of Legends that mm -hmm. I didn't know that I had. Um, but it is definitely tapping into my instincts to like MOBAs for sure. Uh, it's a sim more simple version of it. So if you've been intimidated by MOBAs in the past, it's definitely worth a try. It's free. And as we said in the video, they handle the free-to-play stuff very, very well in it. So um, if you own a Switch and you've ever wanted to check out what the whole thing is with MOBAs, this is a great starter for that. 
Um, and don't blame me if you play this and you end up getting hooked on League of Legends or Dota or Heroes of the Storm or whatever it is that ends up resonating with you. Um, but yeah, one of the most pleasant surprises of 2021 for me mm-hmm. so far. Also, you shouldn't play Heroes of the Storm. Fuck that company. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game called Chris Tales. Uh, we don't talk about a ton of indie games on Game Face, and I say this every time we do talk about an indie game. Generally, when we do, it's because it does something unique or different from other games, and that is the case with Chris Tales. Um, outwardly, it appears to be just another turn-based JRPG, but it's not. There's a whole time manipulation element that comes mm-hmm. into play with this game. Um, and I will say this, Matt, this game makes a very strong... Yeah. First impression. It's also not a JRPG. It's made in Colombia. Well, I know that. but, but like, It's a very influenced by anime. Well, if you look at the way the developer writes the blurbs for this, they call it a JRPG. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a JRPG in the sense that like it's... It's using, a turn-based RPG. It's using the mechanics of all the things you yeah. would expect to find in that. Well, some people just use JRPG and turn-based RPG interchangeable, which yeah, probably isn't fair, but... No, it's not. <laughs> But that's how uh, it goes. Divinity Original Sin 2 is not, not a, JRPG. a JRPG. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's certain tenets to the JRPG. But there, is, there are mechanics here that are definitely influenced from, you know, there's influence from a bunch of different things. Yep. But the art style I really like, and it's 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 pretty unique. It is unique. Um, so the Almost paper crafty. It is, places. yeah. It looks like it's almost like a Flash game. Yeah, in some bit. ways, the way the the animation is and the way the art style is. It, also, it reminds it has a kind of a paper craft meets like vanillaware thing going yeah. on that I really like. I could totally see that. Um, the story of the game is you are a young girl who lives in an orphanage. You're an orphan, and um, you somehow have been ordained as this special person who has this special ability, um, and then your kingdom begins to become invaded by goblins and other monsters and you meet this other person who has the same gift that you have and she sends you into this I'm still not even 100% sure of the plot. She sends you into this alternate reality like through a mirror where you're supposed to go and somehow stop the invasion and save the orphanage because you can see into the future. She can see into the future. And what happens is she looks into the future and she sees that the orphanage no longer exists. And she's like, oh my gosh, like what happens to where we live, blah, blah, blah. So you're basically trying to go, you go through this mirror world to try to change the future so that the orphanage does not end up disappearing or becoming defunct. That's the base Mm. part of the plot. At least that's what I got from it. Did you get something else? Yeah, that's about it. Usual, you know, chosen one, chosen one got to avert catastrophe the time travel thing basically gives you it gives you a little choice. Like one of the first things you do is you have to just, you know, you see that these two, this house and this store are in ruins in the future, and you have to decide. You you have a potion that can prevent a building from being destroyed, right? Somehow, yeah. Uh, and you basically have to decide which one survives. And so it's like, do you want to sur- keep the apothecary open because that'll probably be useful to you in the future, or do you want to save the house so that this family can live somewhere? I chose the apothecary. What did uh, you choose? I chose would have chosen the apothecary, but my friend who was playing chose the family. Oh, <laughs> and uh, 
Well, it's not it clear. It didn't seem to have a... It it's not clear, yeah, no, though. It, it, when you make the choice, you don't realize you're choosing between the two. Until uh, I mean, I, we, I, we, did, we knew that. I but, didn't. But we did, we, it was unclear what the consequences would be in terms yeah. of the future. And, and it, feels like, it felt like doing the, the, the moral thing versus doing the thing that's going to help you later with having you know, a source of potions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is there doesn't seem to be a morality system in the game. No. So like, it, doesn't seem, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it... It matters. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, as we said, this game is all about time manipulation, and you can use that mechanic both in and out of combat. So, Mm -hmm. the first time they let you experience it, there's you plant a seed and a tree grows. And you can look into the future, and a fruit falls off of that tree. In the present day, the tree is too young to bear fruit, so you switch the time frame to the future, you pick up the fruit, and then you take the fruit back to the apothecary, mm-hmm. actually, is where that ends up and going. You can see here, this is how the that's sort of shown. is like you're in the middle, that's the present, the stuff on the left is the past, and the stuff on the right is the future. And you can see as you pass, it changes. Matt, are they rendering this game three times? Sort of, I think. I mean, I think they're, they're, it's all in memory somewhere in there, yeah. yeah. It would have to be. Because so, I mean, as, it's not it's not super graphically intensive, obviously, right? Right. But yeah, but still, I, I think they're rendering the I game. I think they are wiping times. from one to the other. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty clever and pretty cool, to be honest with you. And I don't like, think they're I, rendering it that. I think they are. It's it's like how you know you're not rendering the back of an object, but if the object turns, you have that in memory, ready to show. Like occlusion calling, things like basically. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's and a way you, to save resources. Yeah, and you can jump back and forth using the uh, your frog friend who can, yep. who can tr- teleport from one. And it's actually, the, some of this stuff is very clever where, like, if you go back into the past with the frog, he's like a smaller, younger frog. Yeah. And if you go into the future with him, he's like an old, fat frog. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, you, know, you can do that in combat as well. Yeah. Um, like so the, the first combat example that they give you is... You, have you can see here on the, on the right, like how the how orphanage old, is, is burned out and destroyed. Yeah, the orphanage is burned out and destroyed on the right, which is the future. On the left is the old orphanage. And you see that the apothecary just became an old woman. Yep. Yeah. So it's now very you're the, clever. Now in the past, and the apothecary is a young girl. Right. Like, so there's a lot of really cool tricks they're pulling here. Yeah, there's it's that's, very that's clever. the baby frog because it's he's a tadpole. Right. In the past, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's very visually it's extremely clever. It's, it it's, makes a very strong first impression. Like when I first started playing this and started going through the early parts of it, I was like, oh my gosh, this might look like be a game of the year candidate. So, like in combat, you can also use the time traveling stuff. So you have the ability to poison enemies. So you can poison an enemy, and you can just leave the enemy alone. It will slowly take down its health over time like poison does in every RPG. However, if you jump that enemy into the future, they just die. Mm. Because you're going to a time period where they've had the poison in their body for a long period of time, and it's killed them. Yeah, And, and then so- like you can also do... like, yeah, like- Throwing someone in the future without like a status effect can be a mistake because it can make them bigger and more experienced and more yep, dangerous. Exactly. So and like you put them in the past and they become like sometimes you can take a goblin and put them in the past and they're like baby goblins and yep. like you can beat them really easy. And sometimes it does make them really old though too and yeah. make them more. And that feeble. can make more. So you got to learn that and you can do the same poison thing. You can you can poison someone in the past and like and then jump them to the present. To the and present. The, and the thing you planted that's poisonous will grow up and pop and poison and kill them, in, them in the present. Yeah. Um, there's a lot, but like, it, it's like when it's introduced to you, it's like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah, because you think that that's yeah. just the beginning, and they're no, that's it. Build on it, but that's, <laughs> that's it. it. Like so far, that's, anyway. Like, yeah, I've played five hours of it at this point, mm-hmm. and the first hour and a half, I was like, oh my god, like where'd this game come from? This is like game goaty material, and then it settles into the groove of the game. So once you get out into the world 
And it plays like most JRPGs. You're given a map. You have to make your way through the map. And at the end of the map, there's a boss fight. Along the way, though, there are random encounters. You cannot see, like, an avatar of the enemies in the world. Also, like, those random encounters, like, there's no... Like crash of the screen, it's just like it just cuts, cuts to a and, fight. And There's no fight. sound effect. There's yeah. no, it's, it's it's a it's it feels like weirdly unfinished there. And the game is kind of hard. Yeah, it's it's not like you have to f- run away from from yeah. the random encounters at least in the early part of the, until you get a heal spell. Yeah, like you have no you you run out of items real fast. And you got to run away until you get to the first like major story. Because there are healing potions, but the game. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't give them out like doesn't give them out much, and there's no store in, early, in that early yep. part. So you like get that, trapped out in a level. It's just you and whatever potions you got left yeah. until you get. And your like weirdly, spell. the um, like it's easier as you go. Like as you you know, it'd be it, it, substantially easier. The the first time you get kicked out of your hometown and have to like wander the land to find the first story location, you know, the breadcrumb to the next yep. story bit. That's the hardest part of the game so far because you're so unequipped. Yeah, um, but. As I said, it never, at least what I played so far, it has not progressed beyond this. It stayed the same. And the other thing, too, is once you get into a level, you can't go mm. back. And oh, yeah. And also, say you, you get halfway in and your health is at zero and you don't have any potions, or you're you don't screwed. Have, or worse, you don't have any tents. Yeah. Yeah. Or no um, tents. Yeah. yeah you I, have to. I, should also note that um, there is like a Paper Mario style like t- button timing thing in the combat yep. too, where like if you, when you attack, you hit the A button at the right time and you get like a critical hit off of it instead of just the normal. Yeah, you so a, you, sw- you swing once and then you have to swing. time your second swing as soon as the first one lands. Yeah, you'll get and it's and so like if you time it well, you get a second swing. If right. you time it perfectly, you get a critical hit. Yep. And then, like, that's true of every attack in the game. And then when they attack you, you hit another. You hit the button to defend, and you can you can deflect, which lowers it, or you can parry if you're perfect, and that yep. lowers the damage even more. And the damage in this game is crazy. It is like, crazy. Like, early on, you're having just standard, like, random battle enemies doing 34 damage to you, and you've got 75 hit points. Yeah, it takes like, half your health with one. Yeah, and hit. even if you deflect, you still take a 20. Like, yeah, it's, I know. It's, it's real unforgiving. Yeah, I thought it was... Surprisingly hard, given its given its tone. Yeah, yeah. Early mo- on, I felt like, am I doing something wrong? Yeah. Am I, am I like <laughs> I what's going up too? Am I like, not supposed to be here yet? Like, it was I very must have weird. A tutorial or something somewhere where I'm, I'm yeah. missing. Some no, sports. I think it, apparently it just seems I, mean, I powered through it and I got to the first. It was fine, I guess, yeah. but like. It, it felt weirdly off-putting considering how sort of charming this thing is at yeah. first. And you're like, oh, I thought this was going to be a little more of a Especially at the leisurely stroll like you'd think here. think the first yeah. level would be, like, really easy. And here oh, here you can see, like, you can you, you jump this boss in the future. And or at first you... you no, you, you douse them you have with to water. Have him, yeah, you have to have him hit them with water and get their shield wet. And then you send wet. them to the future. And send them to the future and the shield rusts. Yeah. So you can hit And then hit you can now it. hit them. Yeah, it, and again, like you're probably watching this, being like, "Hot damn! Like this yeah. game looks awesome," and it is. The first couple hours with this game are like, "Wow, this is some next level stuff." And I've been playing games a long time; I haven't seen stuff like this. And then it settles into the groove, and it just doesn't progress at the rate that I would hope to. Um, the other drawback of this game is it is forty bucks. Yeah, I mean, I got it on Game Pass. So yeah, it's also on Game Pass, so but I mean, it's forty bucks. It's on everything, by the way. PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series, Switch, Stadia. I believe it's also on Stadia. It's everywhere. Uh, but you can get it for free on Game Pass right now. Um, I think it launched yesterday or the day before. No, it was a few days ago. Was it a few days ago? Um, 
I've enjoyed it, but the combat has started to become really grindy because it really just does not introduce enough new elements to the combat in a quick enough manner. Yeah, it has it has worn a little bit, and the yeah. other issue is like it does do the JRPG formula of go to town, go through dungeon, fight boss, go to next hub, go yeah. to dungeon. I mean, it's, it it is you know it's old it's school. It's designed in some like ways. a JRPG yeah. for sure, uh, but I've not played a JRPG that has an element that's innovative. Yeah, the combat system is really interesting. Um, I'm curious if, if, I, if I'm if i just, like, not far enough along that it hasn't opened up fully. Uh, but I am, like, I'm not as far as you. I'm, I'm a few hours, but, like, it just, it, I don't know. Like, I don't want to dismiss it yet. Yeah. You know? For I'm assuming for $40, it should be pretty long. Mm-hmm. It better be. Yeah, I would expect this to be a, a decent sized game. It seems to be like the the world map is no no slouch yeah, so far. Yeah, it's pretty huge, absolutely. And there's big overworld areas, and there's no random encounters out in the o- the overworld, which mm-hmm. is nice. You can just venture around. I did also get sick of the random encounters. Like, it's very rare to play an RPG in 2021 where there are not avatars for battles. Yeah, so you can avoid them if you want to. Um, especially if you're trying to escape, if you're if we, were, what we were talking about earlier about how you can get in a situation where you need to run away because you just don't have any health left and you don't have any potions left to restore your health. Um, when you go back through the level trying to get out, like you can't see the encounters, so you may get caught fighting like a rank and file enemy, which may not seem like a big deal unless you only have like ten health left. So yeah, the, uh, it looks like it looks like it's about thirty hours. Oh wow, okay. Well, that makes the price a little more tenable. It also encourages me that maybe it does eventually kind of progress with what they, they... I mean, it also shoot. seems like because of sort of how it functions, it feels like as you get more party members, it probably opens up a bit because they can do different things yeah. that work together in their head, like a synergy. Yeah, well, like the guy with the water spell and yeah. then using it on metal equipment to rust it and send them into the future. Yeah, more of that moving forward is probably going to spice it up. A bit. I hope so. Um, because at first when I started playing it, I was like, this game might break my brain. Mm-hmm. Like, this may be one of those games. Yeah, it's not like you see a lot of potential in it, and then it doesn't really do anything with it yeah. so far. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm like five hours in. Like, yeah. if they don't move it ahead by then, like, that's poor pacing. I'll say mm-hmm. that at least. Like, it should come a little more quickly than that. Yeah, although it, that is pretty accurate to the influence. To JRPGs? Yeah. yeah. They'll make you grind with the same stuff for a while before yeah, they there's do some, something. There's a little bit of grinding in this so far. There is. Um, because, well, one, because you're forced to, because you can't avoid random encounters. Yeah. Um, so you don't have a choice in how much or how little you fight in this. Like, you can't intentionally initiate a battle if you want to. Mm-hmm. So if you want to grind, you have to just walk around in circles until it triggers a battle, basically. Yeah, which it will. There's, it will, there's, yeah. I mean, there's you, no shortage. You don't have to walk yeah. very far. But, but my point is, is like when you take that away, you lose flexibility on both ends of it. You can't avoid combat if you want to avoid it, and you can't initiate combat if you want to to grind and level up. So I just think at this point it's a poor design decision to do an RPG that way, and I think that's why most of them don't do it anymore, And to be perfectly honest. They just... It doesn't make sense, and it just takes too much agency out of the hands of the player. And so that's why some genres change, and every other entry in that genre ends up doing the same thing. It's because they're good ideas. And this is one case where they have decided, this, the developer has decided, to ignore convention and try to do things its own way. And in this case, in that particular case, I don't think it works. However, you know, even just the menus in this are unique, how they're mm-hmm. handled. Like, it's just... There's a little persona to them. Yeah, a little um, bit. 
like you can see like all the influences kind of coming from different things coming together to sort of form this weird chimera Voltron of things. Of, yeah. it's like <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like, I li- I like a lot of what they're after with it. We well, um, also have like enemies on both sides, yeah. which is out of the ordinary for a JRPG. And I wonder if a lot of the stuff in this game was born out of how they hand- had to handle the time travel, meaning traveling forward or back. And they were like, oh, well, we're traveling back. Why not put enemies on that yeah. side as well? It, it could have just organically. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Like, it could have just organically been birthed from the whole mechanic that they use for the time travel stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, the way that they use the time travel, it isn't just in combat. It's also out when you're just adventuring to get mm-hmm. items or manipulate. There's another part where... Um, you're the apothecary has a bunch of bottles. She doesn't doesn't know which one the poison is. Um, so you have to go back in time to find that these kids had stolen one of the labels, and then mm-hmm. you ask them what jar it was on. They tell you. You come back. You tell her she can label the poison correctly. They do a lot of really creative stuff with this. I just I cannot wholeheartedly tell you to buy this game right now. Game Pass, no brainer. Download mm-hmm. and play it. Obviously, always. But as far as spending 40 bucks on this on another platform, I cannot tell you to do that yet. If it stays the way it is right now, I would wholeheartedly say no. Um, if it continues to evolve the way the first hour of this game was, then yeah, it's worth more than 40 bucks. Um, <clears throat> but this might be a case where neither one of us had enough time to play enough of it to give a 100% accurate assessment of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard for me to wholeheartedly push someone in one direction or another other than to say... If you have Game Pass, download this right now because it's unlike anything that you've played so far. Um, I think that's a fair way to assess it at yeah. this point. Um, but forty bucks—I don't know. I would say maybe go read some full reviews for, pe- for people that have finished it. I have not. I don't mm-hmm. know what people are saying about this game. I would imagine there probably aren't all that many reviews for it yet either. No. In fact, uh, I had to look up a couple of things uh, on uh, for that time thing because like there's only one completion on how long to beat.com. Oh. Um, so a bunch of different articles were saying based about 30 hours. Okay. But. And if it is 30 hours and it does continue to progress the mechanics, the time travel mechanics stuff, then it's absolutely worth the 40 bucks without a doubt. Um, but again, I would suggest if, if you, what you've heard from us about this has you intrigued, I would go read some full reviews to see if maybe it does manage to kind of keep progressing in the, in the right direction or if it does settle into this grind, which it feels like it has for me. But you're mm-hmm. right, Matt. They followed all the other tenants of the JRPG, so it could just be where they're like, okay, you have this ability, you need to master it before we give you something else. That, that could be the yeah. case. Um, but I did enjoy the couple hours that I spent with it, the five hours I spent with it. Um, mm-hmm. It's starting to wane a little bit at yeah, this point. Yeah, it was a nice little surprise, and, yeah. and uh, it's cool that it, it you know it has full voice acting in it and everything. It's full. It's you know it's from a country we don't see you know high end stuff from very often. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't call it high end. It's a I high th- end concept. I think it's high end for like a lot of indie stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not like God of War or anything, but yeah. it's like it, the, the production values were higher than I would expect from sort of an indie game I'd only heard of a week and a half ago. There are legit cinematics in yep. it. They're not just all talking head bubble. You get that. But there yeah. are legit cinematics in the game that are mm-hmm. fully animated and all that. So it is a cut above most yeah. indie games. It has it say. has a verve to it. Like it's yeah. uh, it's 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 cool. Yep. Uh, so there you go. That's Chris Tales again available for everything. It's forty bucks and it is free right now on Game Pass. Um, so if you have Game Pass, no brainer. Go download it, give it a roll, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, it's time for our last topic, although it's really not a topic. It's just me getting sappy over moving into a new studio. Um, it's 
uh, we kind of talked about it just at the beginning of the show. Um, it's just insane what's happened in the two years' time since we moved in here. Uh, when we first moved in, we had stars in our eyes. We had all these plans. They all went to crap very quickly because of COVID. Uh, we had Mitch in here at first. We were doing uh, Sifted HQ, which is a show that we did every week, which was a variety show that was all tied together with a graphics package. Uh, Mitch eventually had his bike stolen. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Down in the garage down below. That happened here. Um, I remember shooting a lot of the stuff for Sifted HQ on the roof here. Um, I went up and shot, like, the establishing shots off the roof that showed, like, our building and then showed, like, the 7-Eleven and all the stuff down below. That's how we started Sifted HQ each week. And then I would actually go up and shoot some of my segments on the roof of this building, I'm always being careful and afraid that, like, the building managers would hear me. Because if you actually try to go up on the roof here, there's, like, all these chain ropes and stuff trying to keep you from going up there. And the top door is kind of locked, but I could kind of budge it open. So I would go up there and shoot that, and I'd be sitting there nervous the whole time that, like, one of our building managers was going to show up and, like, throw me off of there. Um, off the roof. Yeah. <laughs> well, just be like, what are you doing up here? Mm-hmm. Like, we better And it never happened. Nobody ever came up there. Um, and it also, I just remember what it was like to get the studio again because we had been doing the show at your house and like, mm-hmm. you know, you were very gracious about it. I can't even express how much I appreciate you letting us do the show there for a lo- for as long as we did. Um, but I just, it felt so good to not have to do it at your house anymore mm-hmm. because I, you know, it's your home. And I thought about like, would I want somebody coming to my house and like doing a show once a week? Probably not. Like it was a fair trade off for not having to drive through. That's true. I didn't week. think about that angle of it. But it was a relief for me to not have to put you in a bad position to help out the show and help out Sifted. So I just remember, like, getting this place was a huge relief. And I do regret not spending more time looking for a place back then um, Mm -hmm. because I feel now that I've gone through the process again, I definitely feel like I could have had a better place for the money that I spent um, than we ended up getting. But then once we got here, it kind of had its own charm because it has, like, the window here, and we had our TriCaster TD in the other room and like he would poke through the window and there was like the running joke about it. And like, I don't know. I ended up enjoying this location. Ultimately it is still pretty close to me. So my commute was never terrible, which is nice. Um, but at the same time, I don't feel like I'm going to miss it. No, um, it's, I don't know. Because we're moving to someplace that's better, way mm. better. And you're going to see it next Tuesday. And I think you'll all agree with me when you see our new plays. And you'll probably also agree with me that, Shane, you probably could have got a better place for the last two years. I agree with that. I'll, I think you'll agree with me that, on that as well. Um, but there, so much happened here. So much change happened here. I, I wrote out COVID here. I learned how to deal with COVID protocols in production while being here. Uh, it's just been it's been an up and down two years. I had my crazy health scare here. Um, I had horrible things happen with my... Well, I guess that was actually the other studio. Yeah, so that didn't happen while I was here. <laughs> but it's just anytime you come to a place like this, I did, you, there's just so many memories um, when you're coming in here one, once a week or multiple times a week, or you're just spending big chunks of your time in one place. You just have a lot of nostalgia for it. But at the same time, I'm not as sad leaving here as I was leaving our other studio because we were kind of thrown out. This I'm doing right. on my own terms, whereas the other one, they're like, we're just going to rent this whole building to one company. you got to yeah. leave. And so anytime you're forced to do something you don't want to do... That least, building still has, like, lease signs up on it. By yeah, way. I just recently had to call that building. It doesn't seem to have gone too well for them. 
I had to recently call that building as a reference for our new studio. And, like, the people who own the building don't even own it anymore. Mm. They're like, we don't even know you because we bought this building and all those records they took with them. So if somebody calls here for a reference, we can't really tell them anything. I guess they never did because we got the new place anyway. Mm. So, um, But anyway, like I said, next Tuesday we'll be in our new place. There is one thing I'm going to do for you guys. I'm going to show you what the studio actually looks like. Um, so when we do shows, it's always framed exactly how we want it to show you exactly what we want to show you. Um, but in reality, things are a lot different than that. Um, there's things off camera that we may not want you guys to see or whatever. Um, there's junk in corners that we may not want you guys to see or whatever. Um, there's, there's always things that show business manages to put the best foot forward on whatever you're shooting. So anyway, now that we're about to move out of here, I'm gonna, I just shot earlier today a quick walkthrough, for, and very quick because this place is very small, a quick walkthrough of what our studio really looks like out off of camera, outside of camera. Um, and let me get it pulled up here for you guys. And here it is, a very quick tour of our studio. Or not. So this is a shot from the perspective of where I'm sitting right now. And this is before Matt got here. So you can see what I'm looking at while I do every show. I have a computer on the left. I have an audio mixing board in the middle. And then I have the TriCaster on the right. It's like sitting at uh, Central Command. And you can see all our cameras. We have three cameras and two lights for every shoot. And looky there. What is that? That is the invisible wall sign that was on the show for all those episodes. I'll play it for you one more time just so you guys can see it again. So yeah, not especially glamorous. No. <laughs> There's my old plasma TV sitting over in the corner too that I'm trying to sell right now on Craigslist. And no bites so far. It's been mm. really hard trying to sell that thing. I had one person call me about it, and they tried to talk me down like to half price of what I was asking for it. And I was like, no, I'm not there yet. Call me back in two weeks. Maybe mm. <laughs> I'll change my mind when I haven't been able to sell it. But as you can see, it's just two rooms. That's all this studio is. Our bigger room that mm. we sit in when we record, and then the smaller room where you can see the invisible wall sign. My kegerator with the football player where you pour the beer out of the face mask and uh, where we used, we used to have our TriCaster TD sit. So yeah, It's just a doctor's office. That's all it is, really. Yeah, it was a doctor's office before we came in here, and we just <laughs> repurposed it to create podcasts. Um, so anyway, that's it. We put the cap on this studio. This is the last thing that will ever be shot in here. It's the last episode of Game Face is going to happen here. Um it served its purpose. Mm -hmm. I think it looked okay on camera. Um, when you watch that footage, though, you're like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I'm sure people are on the chat right now like, wow, I really didn't think it was like that. But that's it. That was our studio. And actually, let me bring chat back up here so we can do some Q&A now. Um, um, sure, what more do you need is perfect for what you do. I guess so. I, I mean, it, it ser again, it served its purpose. It was functional. Mm -hmm. It did what we needed to. It looks better on camera than it does off camera, for sure. Um, our new studio is way nicer. And I think you guys are going to be pretty pretty excited to see uh, where we're going to kind of start the next chapter 
of Game Face. I know I'm really excited about it. So there we go. Another studio in the books. Another studio to say bon voyage to. And another new beginning for Sifted and for Game Face. All right, let's get to some questions. We're way over already. We only have time to answer one or two. Um, JM Rain, making it rain again. Thank you, man. Wampler says, I thought it would be bigger. Yeah, I wish it were bigger, bro. This is all I can afford. Literally, I think it's 300 square feet or something like that. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, it's not very much, man. And our new spot is the same size. It's just a lot nicer. And it's all one room instead of being broken apart. And yeah, it's better. It's a better structure yeah. of the space. And that's all I'm going to say. You have to wait until next Tuesday to see it. Uh, Tiny2K, thank you for gifting subs to everybody. Actually, I'm just going to bring up the chat here while we do this. Um, hype train at level four, seventy percent. We're almost to the top, thanks to Tiny Two K and Jam Rain. Um, oh, Cinetike, I love the monitor on top of the chair. Yep, <laughs> we do, we do whatever we can to make it work here. That's for sure. Uh, all right, let's see. Derek D one one one, who always asks great questions for Pactor Factor. Diablo four without the Blizzard moniker. Do you guys think uh, AC will actually be willing to do that? They might. I they mean- might. I mean, it's a big deal for like people like us who like pay attention to the industry. So most people don't know. Yeah. You know, the millions of people who buy Diablo, they don't care what the logo at the front of it is. Yeah. Which you could argue is an argument in the other direction too, but it's like I just don't think you want to remind people of this going forward. Well, they could do whatever the hell they want. The question he's really asking is how big of an uproar will there be? 30, 30% of mm-hmm. the people will be angry about it. 70% won't. We'll see. That seems about right to me, based upon. I mean, it's just at the very yeah, but at the very least, like you got a big game, Diablo Four coming out, and I bet Blizzard thing's going to be there, and it's going to be real tempting if that Blizzard logo's up up front there for the mainstream to pop up again and be like, "Hey, remember that story? Yeah, their latest game's out. Here it is. Like yeah. that's not the that's not the exposure you want." Yep, that's true. Now, here's one from Vincent: How long until Activision decides to start using the lawsuit as an excuse for problems? Like if it's this year's COD, does it make it because of the reported development hell? Oh, COD will make it. COD will make it, bro. In some form or another. We just hit the hype train all the way. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And there she goes. (laughs) All (laughs) the confetti. If they have to spend an extra billion dollars in the next two months to get the Call of Duty done, they will spend the money. Call of Duty will be finished. That is not a question. Um, How long until it uses the lawsuit as an excuse for maybe other problems? I don't think it will at all. Honestly. Yeah, I don't know what they would do with that, really. Yeah, I don't understand the the power of doing that or how that could work when you're trying to pull the wool over someone's eyes. Like, if they're going to use an excuse, they would use COVID before the lawsuit. Uh, People, I think, would be more accepting of COVID than a lawsuit because a lawsuit is just something that's handled by your legal team. It doesn't affect development. Most people get that. So, yeah, I don't think that'll be the case. Uh, Mermelson, what's up? How you doing, bro? Or girl, depending. Do you think other countries or cultures could have a strong identity in games as U.S. and Japan do? What would that look like? Um, honestly, I think Europe's almost there, Matt. Europe's got a lot of it in there. Yeah. I mean, I think Europe may have already eclipsed Japan. Well, no, that's never going to happen because Japan is the cradle of games. It's where they all started. So you're never going mean, to be technically a, the Bay Area is the cradle of games. Yeah, I mean, but in terms of like what we think of as like kind of the console the game standard, and, yeah, the console game standard kind of comes from Japan. Yeah, um, 
it's uh, I don't know. Like I think I think it, you will see that more and more. Like as as the barriers come down in terms of distribution more than anything else. Yeah. Like the fact that we can get a game like Chris Tales from Columbia with almost you know we don't need to know it's from Columbia. We didn't need to search that out. No one needs to search that out. It's just there. Yeah. Like that it's that good. is a, an important is. part. Yeah. Um, and all it needs to be, all you need is like some game from one of these other countries to suddenly hit big or be like the next big thing, and you're gonna have that cultural influence to some degree. Is it ever going to define the medium the way that like, you know, uh, Japan has, has defined console games or like the U S has defined certain types of, uh, of, uh, p- uh computer games or Europe is, def- you, know, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in computer games we take for granted comes from the old, like, uh, Amiga days yeah. in Europe. Um, so I, th- I think there's some of that there, but like in terms of like, like, I, I, what would an, a game industry look like with strong influence from like Latin America or South America or Africa? Um, I don't know. Although I'd sure like to see it. Yeah. Like I'd sure like to see like African made Afrofuturist stuff become like a, like a, a, a genre that I could dip into when I wanted. Like it would be nice to have access to that or have, have that be a, a, a cornerstone of the industry going forward because yeah, like, you know, when you talk about stuff getting stale, it's not just about innovating new gameplay ideas. It's about getting ideas and, and creative, creative input from people from other parts of the world that have never had that opportunity before. I feel like Ubisoft is single-handedly making Europe a part of that discussion. They are, yeah, there, there's definitely some of that in play. Yep. Um, and if you're just talking about, like, where games come from and who develops them, yeah. I mean, I would argue Europe's already lapped Japan. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking, but I'm, I, I think maybe they're talking more, also more about, like, more southern, southerly, you yeah. know, like hey, you see yeah. stuff like that. What was it? That was a game from India that that yeah. dealt with Indian mythology. I can't remember the name of it, but that was a, like a side-scrolling sort of you know yeah. epic sort of tale. Like that, that was good too. Like more of that would be. Oh, I'm always going to be into that. Like yep. I, I want to see more and more ideas from the from different parts of the world that haven't had a voice in that before. Because uh, a lot of that stuff is stuff I never ever would have thought of, and it's always better to be exposed to things you wouldn't have thought of. Agree. Uh, let's get one more. Oh, actually, I have a couple questions. I have to answer one of these. Wampler 13, are you going to have the Fantasy Football League this year? Absolutely. Um, only three weeks of preseason. There's not, actually. The Steelers, well, the Steelers are in the Hall of Fame game, so they're playing an extra game, so that may make a difference. Um, so, yes, it's happening. Stay tuned. If you were in the league last year, an email's going out soon. Um, to see if you're interested in playing again this year. And if you're not, and we have holes to fill, we'll put out the call again to get new people into uh, the league this year. But it is coming. And I'm working, I am, I am the commissioner of four fantasy football leagues. So I have to work through all of them and get all that stuff set up, but it is coming. Um, Emperor Dread, what's your role slash champ main in League of Legends? Well, I quit playing it, so I'm, hmm. I don't have anything anymore. But when I did play it, and I played it religiously for probably like seven years, uh, Teemo was my main. I play. I would play any lane with Teemo except or any role but Jung. Um, I play top. I could play mid. I could play ADC if I build him right. I could play support if I build him right. Uh, but Teemo is my main. I don't know why people say Teemo is, like, so easy. I don't think he's easy at all. That's why I liked playing with him, because I thought I was always getting better with him. Um, when I first started playing, I played with Master Yi. And uh, and the funny part is my main in Pokemon Unite is basically Master Yi. Um, it's the, he basically identical. He's even yellow, just <laughs> like Master Yi was. Master Yi became so easy that I stopped playing him. I would finish every match with, like, 25 kills and, like, four deaths, and it just became pointless. Like, they still haven't nerfed him. 
And I just got sick of, I hate to say it, I got sick of just kicking ass every game. It became boring and so easy with him. And so I stopped playing him, started playing Teemo, and I feel like Teemo has been a challenge all along because he's so squishy. If somebody gets to you, if you get ganked, you're just dead. Um, and so I just kept playing with him. And then I had other champs that I'd play as. If somebody picked Teemo before me, I had a handful of like five other champs that I was pretty good at where I could hang and people wouldn't want to like boot me or whatever. Um, but yeah, Teemo was definitely my main. Um, we got to stop there. Mm. We're at three, we're way over. This is the longest episode of Game Face ever, but I think it's appropriate since our it's our last one here in the studio. I want to thank everybody for all their support of Sifted, me, Matt, of everything that we've done. Uh, without you guys and without your pledges, we wouldn't have had this studio and we wouldn't have the one that we're about to move into. Uh, so I just really, really appreciate all your support and however you support us, whether you're on our Patreon and you're pledging a huge amount of money. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of people just go into the sifted tip jar and just give us money on the site, um, which is really awesome. I appreciate that as well. If you're just doing Twitch Prime, I appreciate that. If you're just liking or retweeting our stuff, I like. I appreciate that. If you're just reviewing our podcast on Apple or wherever, I appreciate that. There's so many ways that you can help us if you're interested in helping us and you want to see us grow and do bigger and better things. There is a second episode of Game Face per week on the board right now. If we can get to 6000 bucks a month, we'll do two episodes of Game Face a week. Already talked to Matt about it. He's down. But we got to hit that goal. That's all there is to it. I can't pay Matt anymore. I can't pay anyone else anymore. We have to have more revenue to do it. So thanks to everybody for all your support through the last two years in this studio. It's really been crazy all the stuff that's happened in the world since we moved in here. Really excited to get into our new spot next Tuesday. And we will be there. And we will be here at twitch.tv slash siftedgames at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Dinfire. Matt is at mkyle. And if you are someone who can't afford to help us in any way financially and you want to know when all this stuff goes up live, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Sifted Games. So that's it for the last time from this studio. Game Face is up and out.